Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Howdy, gang. This is Sarah from Kalispell, Montana, and you're listening to Rise and Run, the most magical podcast in the Run Disney universe. So lace up those sneakers, grab your gym boss, and get ready for the next several miles to fly by. It's time to rise and run. Well, thank you, Sarah. What a great introduction. It is indeed time to rise and run. It's time for the Rise and Run podcast. That was Sarah, wasn't it, guys? It wasn't Susie or Sally or... I think so. I think I think got that one right. That's good. That's good. Hey, my friends, welcome to episode 55 of the Rise and Run podcast. I'm Bob. I'm here this week with Allie. Hi, friends. With Lexi. Hi. With John. Hey, how you doing? With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With Jack. Hi. And with Alicia. Hello. Hi, <laughs> you guys. Got them all that time. That, that's harder than it looks. This week... Nice show this week. We hope we're going to enjoy it. We're going to talk with Chris and Chris, Chris Turner and Chris Twiggs about Galloway Pace Groups at Run Disney events. Uh, interesting topic. If you're not, haven't used it before, I hope you find it interesting. Some of you may decide to use it. Some of you may not. We're going to talk with our friend Heather in the Race Report Spotlight. And in podcasts we listen to, Greg's invited our friend Mike from the BR Guest podcast. Okay, friends, I haven't done this part of the program for a while, the apologies and alibis section, but I, I really need to do it tonight. I got a couple of real doozies, and let's start here. We just heard from Sarah. That was nice. That, that was Sarah, I hope. You'll see why I say that in a minute. But if you remember last week, we had this lovely introduction from Nicole and her son, who I immediately called Justin. But Justin's not the right name, is it? No. What sh no, it's not. What should I have said? Joshua. Joshua. Welcome, Joshua and Nicole. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. I felt so bad when I did that. What did you think when I said that, Joshua? Uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Where were you? Were you uh, with mom when you heard it? Yeah. We were in the truck. Yep. In the truck. You were heading somewhere, huh? That's We listen to you when we drive to and from Orlando to drop him off at his dad's every other week. Oh, okay. Now, Joshua, did you tell your mom to unsubscribe to us as soon as Mr. <laughs> Bob made the mistake? Nah, they're fans. <laughs> <laughs> they're loyal they're loyal fans hey i've seen some pictures of you joshua i think playing football right yeah yeah what do you what position do you play center wow that's pretty good you must be one of the bigger guys yeah yes. yeah there's two of them actually okay y you like it i guess huh yeah he really likes biking though when mom runs bike along oh that's cool that's cool so you go to your you go to Runs with mom when she's out training? Yeah. Yeah, neat. That's great. So uh, I felt so bad 
that I, I didn't listen to it on Thursday. I almost always listen to our recordings the same day, but I had a lot of other things going on. And I was up really, really early. I mean, like four o'clock in the morning. And I listened to the intro and I heard it and I heard, I heard Joshua say his name. And then I heard me say, thank you, Justin. And I went, oh no, I couldn't believe it, but it was too late. So um, I got back and I sent mom a note and I sent you some stuff. Joshua, what did I send you? Uh, a cup. Yep. Stickers. With Disney stickers. The bracelet. The bracelets. Did you share any with mom? What'd you let mom have? One of her, one of my bracelets. Was mom what? allowed to take the cup? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty nice of you to share one of the bracelets with mom. That's cool. Tell her she has to wear it at her next Disney run. I will. I'll see you at Wine and Dine for my first Disney race. Oh, that'd be great. We're looking forward to that. Golly, it's only a week away. By the time this releases, it's only a week away. I know. It's getting close. And so we're looking forward to that. Any chance Joshua's going to be there? Unfortunately, no. Mama has his dad watching him. But we'll, if you guys are around Friday at Disney Springs, we'll be there for sure. So hopefully we can run into you. We'll have to look for that. We'll have to look for that. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go. I thank you for joining us. And I thank I really, Joshua, I'm so sorry. I'm really glad that you weren't upset by it. And we're so happy that you and mom listen. And just thank you very, very much. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) You'd think what happened was we don't listen to those clips. I mean, I listen to them, but when we're recording the podcast, I just have some notes in front of me here that says this is what the clip is. And for some reason, I wrote down Justin. And I have no idea why. But you want to hear something even funnier. Uh, We talked about the box that I sent Joshua and the stuff in it. I addressed it to him. I got the address from the call. I addressed it to him, wrote the name on the outside of the box. And my wife looks at me and she says, why did you address this to Justin? I said, you got to be kidding. Nope. Biggest can be, I'd written Justin on there. So I got a glue gun out and taped some paper on top of it, and we got it all right. Thanks for being a good sport, Joshua. I appreciate it. And Nicole, thank you too. Okay. Another alibi from last week. We heard from our buddy Chad. Hey, gang. This is Chad Schwendeman from what I believe your database is calling Mars, Pennsylvania. So as your resident alien or Martian, congratulations on your one year, as well as your longest episode. I uh, look forward to many more episodes from you guys. Just a quick note, Bob, uh, Mars is about four hours away from Burdenhand. So we are uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster County's out there by that Philadelphia Eagle fan, Greg guy, I guess. So, Greg, I know it's in your neighborhood, but uh, sorry, you're an Eagles fan. Have to turn that away. Anyway, again, congratulations and look forward to more episodes. So uh, my geography, my Pennsylvania geography is a little lacking, which is somewhat embarrassing since I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. I thought all the goofy names were in the center of the state, but Mars, it turns out, is in the southwest part of the state. Ah, who knew? Chad knew. Thanks for setting me straight, Chad. I appreciate it. 
All right, gang, let's see what's going on. Hey, you know what? By the time you're listening to this, we will have one week until the Wine and Dine Expo. So we're getting there. Training last week, training was the last long double up for Wine and Dine. So this week, you've got four miles for Wine and Dine. Something I omitted, I just overlooked this. We've talked about Princess. We've registered for Princess. By golly, Princess training actually started last week, if you're using the Galloway training plan that's in the Run Disney page. So we're into week two of Princess training. That's got a four-mile long run this weekend. And for Marathon Weekend, you're looking at six with a magic mile. Jeff's training plan loads up the magic miles towards the end there. I've never quite figured out why, but they're fine. There's nothing wrong with doing them. I think they're helpful. Hey, Princess Proof of Time is due soon. Check that. If you registered for Princess and you did not submit a Proof of Time, but you have one, let's not forget to do that. This is the last week before we're down. We got one more episode, and we thought perhaps that for episode 56, you'd be able to listen to it while you were standing in line getting ready to go in and buy your Disney merchandise, but not so fast, my friends. Run Disney had a surprise for you. There are now virtual queues to get into the part of the expo that includes the Run Disney merchandise. Before we talk about this, let me let me see and help me out here. Stay with me, gang, if I get something wrong. Uh, I'm, we have a lot of folks who haven't been there before. So on Thursday... If you're running the 5K, you've got to get there on Thursday. If you're running later in the week, you can go Friday or Saturday. But when you get out to Wide World of Sports, you're going to get into the area. You're going to walk in, and on your right, the first big arena building there, that's where the Disney merchandise is sold. And that's the place they're talking about having the virtual virtual queue in order to enter. There are going to be two other buildings you're going to need to go into. You're going to need to walk up the area to your front left and go in there and pick up your bib and i are you picking up shirts in there now gang they bounce that back and forth all the time i think i think bibs no, and shirt, shirts, shirts are over with the are uh, they over expo. at the expo yep. still mm-hmm. okay okay yeah all right yeah you come out of that building then there's another building to as as you come walking back out now you're going to turn to your left there's another large building where what we call the general expo is that's where all our vendor friends are. That's where Jeff Galloway is. That's where Pam and fluffy fizzies are uh, and a lot of other vendors. And uh, yeah, I think Greg is correct. That's where your shirt pickup is, but uh, it's the first arena where the Disney merchandise is sold. That's a virtual queue this year. All right. I throw it open to the floor. What do you think of the virtual queue idea? Oh, I have thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Well, give yep. us one or the other. We don't have time for both. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Only kidding. I feel like I I see what you're doing, Run Disney. I see what you're trying to do. I don't know if the execution will be there. Yeah, that's the bottom line. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I feel like there should be some way to keep all of the resellers from taking all of the spots. 
which I, I think maybe they introduced the virtual queue to try to stop that, but I can see that being abused by people who aren't actually running the race. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's definitely an issue. Whether this helps with it or not, I don't know, but that's definitely an issue. Yeah, and then it, it's also a problem for people who are traveling on the first yeah. day of the expo. Like That's me. For marathon weekend, that's going to be me because I'm going to be in the air at 7 a.m. Well, I, I will be traveling. I'll be on my way on Thursday. I'm not sure how it's going to work. Jack, go ahead. And here's my two cents about it. Say you get in the day of the expo, but you have a reservation for a park and you have other, let's say, other, like, if you're going to a dinner or well, yeah. if you've got like Guardians of the Galaxy reservation, but right. you had to make a reservation for this day because this is the one day that you can go and do the merchandise as well over at um, ESPN. So my thing is, is okay, so if your vir- virtual queue time is ready, but you're not able to make it during that time, will they still allow you to come back at any point in time once your number is called? That's the thing that like virtual queues work, but I feel like, when it's not in the park, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if they work for shopping, though. That, that's what I'm saying, for shopping. And for being in a totally different location. Like, people are going to be going to the parks that day. So if you click on virtual queue and it says, oh, you know, your time's not ready till 1 o'clock, but you already had reservations for the park, You that's that's a lot of going back and forth. I And I yeah. get it. They're trying to alleviate the time waiting in the morning to get into the merchandise location. And I totally get that. And I, in a sense, I think it's a great idea, but I don't know how well it work with people that are going to the parks kind of there or like Lexi's flying in and would still like to go to the expo. I, I just very curious how I they're going to work around that. I am too. I've got a lunch reservation at 1130, I think. And, you know, so I'll drive, I'll leave here about nine o'clock. I'll get over there in plenty of time, but I don't know how it's going to work. I always like to be the eternal optimist. And I might be in the minority between my fellow podcast hosts. I definitely know I'm in the minority of the Run Disney community. I don't think this is as terrible news as some are making it out to be. Oh, yeah. I, I will agree with, with everybody. I understand why they're doing this. Yeah. Obviously, the one thing that I think they're trying to alleviate, like we've mentioned before, is the resellers. Could be. Someone ha- has made a point. I, I've seen this on Facebook posts and Instagram stories and stuff like that, that in theory, because it's open to anybody with a My Disney Experience account, within a 45 mile radius of ESPN <laughs> yeah. anybody can hop in if they're if they're aware of it yeah. um and a lot of people have been saying you know just like you know you said Lexi that you know they wish that it could only be for runners and like I kept debating with myself well yes in a perfect world I would I would love for that too but obviously with the technology, that Disney IT has in using this system because obviously it's going to be the same system that they use for, you know, when rise of the resistance had it. And now with guardians of the galaxy, I know they even, I think they use it down at Disney Springs during Christmas time to go see Santa. So obviously I, I, I have a feeling that the technology is only slightly limited in what they can do. You know, so I, I don't think it's something where, you know, they can, 
create a subset of, okay, these people with a My Disney Experience account who also have a Run Disney bib, you know, they can get those two systems to talk to one another. Now, playing devil's advocate, though, obviously, when it comes to getting a virtual queue for Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, they know that it can only be eligible for people who have a park pass for Epcot. So my hope is, is that this is a step in the right direction to get us where we want to be in terms of making sure that people who are just going in there to buy up on the merch, to put it on eBay, to make a quick buck, it, they, they do that. So again, what I appreciate in the, and Grant, I understand everybody's frustrations. I really do. But I, I like to think positively in terms of this is that, you know what? Run Disney is listening. I know, again, we're not there yet, but they're listening to the fact that we're really frustrated by the resellers and the mass hysteria. To be honest, I think the reason why they're instituting this is they just don't want to have people and workers and employees and volunteers standing out at ESPN at four o'clock in the morning when people are queuing up, you know, to want to get all this stuff. I think that's the whole reason for it. If I had to make a prediction and I could be completely wrong in this, I would not be shocked in the least bit that say by one, two o'clock, you go to log in for a virtual queue and it's just going to tell you to come right on in. I think this system is going to be designed to alleviate, again, the mass hysteria, the hordes right in the morning and by the afternoon, it's just going to be business as usual. I think that's right. I think you have a really good point on that, Greg, because I have done virtual queues for like, say the annual pass magnets in Disney Springs and because it's a smaller group of people, it will say, oh, you have like two hour wait and all of a sudden your time will be ready. And you have to remember that for things like the rides, there's a way bigger mass amount of people that want to get on the ride versus the shopping experience. So I think we have to wait and see. Um, but I do think it will go quicker than people are anticipating. But I don't I just hope it goes smoothly. I'm with you, Greg, too. I like to give things a shot and see what happens. Um, And one of the things that I was thinking about that they could do is they do send us tickets to wine and dine every year. So if they really wanted the expo to prioritize runners for the first day, then they could send a ticket to us to get us into the expo. And then that ticket would link to like Alicia was saying, you know, to a special event or something like that. So there could be some sort of ex- expo ticket. It could be integrated into the technology somehow. But I think this is a good step in the right direction as far as, you know, trying something different and, and avoiding people having to get up at, you know, two o'clock in the morning for an extra day just to go to the expo. And I also want to just reiterate something that Allie just said. This is just for day one of the yes. expo. Yes, yep. thanks, mm-hmm. right. It is not for all of the days. So don't think that you have to be getting ready for your race and also like trying to get an expo time. So don't freak out. <laughs> um, this is just for day one on for wine and dine on the Thursday. I think it might work out. I'm, I'm hoping Disney has... Uh, the supply chain working very well. So it'd be well stocked, especially for those people coming in on Friday, Saturday, going to the expo. So, I mean, hopefully that's part of the reason why they're doing this. They have, they have the supply and it's, 
gives everybody that chance to buy the merch. John, so. I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, yeah. the one thing that I was really hoping for in terms of this race season, I understand that, you know, this is, you know, one full year now since the the resumption of Run Disney races. And I know in various industries across the globe, there are still some supply chain issues, but I'm really hoping that the the idea of hoping to have everything in place in, in massive quantities will help alleviate some of that frustration as well. I mean, the fact that as long as we don't get an email like everybody did springtime, you know, like springtime surprise. Yeah. With, with the medals, you know? Oh. So the fact oh, that right, we haven't right, gotten right. anything like that, <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm really, you know, knocking on wood, you know? Um, but again, yeah, it, I, the, the supply chain, I, I really hope that they've upped their game and hopefully alleviated that because I remember I got to marathon expo the second day and I was lucky. I was able to get one goofy shirt. And that's yeah. all I was able to get. Oh. So, you know, again, I know a lot of people are frustrated. I'm just, I'm going to take the eternal optimist approach. I'm not trying to be a run Disney apologist no, here by not. any means whatsoever, but I'm hoping that this is a step in the right direction of what we all want. But in, and conversely, if this crashes and burns and then they're not going to reinstitute it, but you know, we, we just, we have to it. wait. Exactly. <laughs> we will talk about it. We just have to take a wait and see approach. See, now I feel bad. <laughs> oh, don't feel bad. But I will say normally I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person, but sometimes when Disney does something, I feel as of the late, I've always just, I've, I've become slightly apprehensive because I'm afraid no, it's going to get taken away or it's going to be done in a way that's not going to be what it used to be that used to work. So yeah. I'm very, very curious. Well, good. I get it, Jack. I get it. And I, but I take the same approach. Let's see what happens on this. I'm not overly concerned about it. I am curious about a couple things. One of them is I wonder what landmark is exactly 45 miles away as I'm driving along Interstate 4. I wonder, you think they'll have a sign up that says you are now 45 <laughs> miles from the expo? That would be really cool. Um, and then I, how it's going to work because once your number comes up, it's like a ride. You've got an hour. A one-hour window. You still got to get there for your race bib. So 7.30 in the morning, go on. Try to get a queue if you want to get merch for Run Disney merch. If you just want your bib, you could go anytime you want. Mm -hmm. You know? So just play it that way. And hopefully things line up well for you. Let me share this with perhaps some first-timers. I go Thursday. Yeah, I go Thursday because I'm going to be participating Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I have to get my bib. Uh, I typically in the past have gone to the Run Disney merchandise place. That's fine. I always go to the expo. But I always go back. I always go back on Friday or Saturday. The crowds are way down. Uh, that's usually when I drop by to see Jeff Galloway. I've got a lot more time there. And so you do have some time. I also think... Where part of the frustration lies is that, and Grant, I've never gotten a chance to experience this, but I think there's a lot of uh, disappointment and frustration that a social aspect of waiting in that line is now is now gone. 
Um, you know, whether it's yeah, the true. Run Princess family or the Run Dopey group, I'm sure they're probably all organizing, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to like, you know, sit, you know, stand in line, you know, with you for three hours waiting for our turn to go into, you know, get the merch and everything like that. So I, I think that's where some of the frustration lies, too. But um, mm-hmm. just as a, a point of information, in terms of when they say, you know, your booking party, it sounds like you can invite six people per person so you know if you're you know if you still want to have that camaraderie with one another make sure that you're linked up your friends on my disney experience add them to your booking party so that way you're still able to experience that together whether it's in the morning or later in the day so i guess it's good that i'm not going to wine and dine because all of us is six yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah greg you hit it right on the head it's the social aspect could be. I, 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 what do you call it? Uh, compared to sitting outside in front of the Capitol Theater at two o'clock in the morning waiting for concert tickets, you're out there with your friends talking about your favorite band and the shows you've seen. And, but here, the runs your, the races you ran. One thing you mentioned, Greg, was the My Disney Experience app. And if you're a first time runner of Wine and Dine and you've never um, had to put together your My Disney Experience, Go ahead and download the app um, and play with it ahead of time. Make sure you have, you know, your account information in there. Make sure that you, you know, go through all the parts and that you familiarize yourself with what it would be like to set up a virtual queue so that you're ready to, to go do that, you know, on that morning that you go. And you can look online at like the how-to articles of how to sign up for a virtual queue for a ride and at least get familiar with how the process will go if you haven't been to Disney before. And they'll give you like screenshots and stuff. It won't be exactly because obviously this is run Disney and hasn't been done before. But um, as far as like the process, I think you would be able to find the good information there. Actually, there is the, uh, on the run Disney blog, there is photos of, how to join the queue. Perfect. In the course of the conversation, I heard two things I wanted to mention. You should have, if you're running the half, either by itself or as part of the challenge, you should have received an email about your $15 gift card. You've got that. That is part of your registration fee. I got mine. And there's one more thing that has to be done. You should have signed your waivers by now. You should have digitally signed your waivers. Okay. Uh, You do that in your Run Disney account. There's also a thing called an Expo Pass that you'll download to your phone. Now, they're not available yet. They should be available late this week, I believe. I thought I saw a October 30 date for the Expo Pass. Nothing to worry about, just something to look for in your email and something to take care of before you get to the Expo. I like them because you have them on your phone. (laughs) We used to have to, what we used to do is we used to print and sign waivers. And you take your waiver with you into the pass, into the, into pick up your bib. And back in the olden days, every, way back in 2020, <laughs> every daggum year, I get that waiver. We were all excited when they come out, there'd be all a buzz on Facebook. No, the waivers are out and the waivers would tell you what your bib number was mm-hmm. and you could figure out what your start corral was going to be. It was cool. So I'd take my waiver and I'd sign it right away and I'd put it in the car and I'd go to the expo and I'd leave the waiver in the car. (laughs) (laughs) I did that three runs in a row. Hey, 
if you do the same thing digitally, if you get there and you haven't done your uh, expo pass, you can take care of it there. They've, they've got you covered. Okay, so let's, so the bottom line, let's wait and see. We promised that we would give some advice for cheering during the weekend. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Now, I have never done this, so I'm going to give way to some of you folks who have. What kind of advice can you give for folks who are going to be cheering or spectating at Wine and Dine? My first word of advice is do it. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. I like it's, that. It's literally, I I think for Marathon Weekend last year, I almost enjoyed, no, actually, I did enjoy cheering for the marathon more yes. than I enjoyed running the actual half. Much less training involved. Exactly. I think I remember you even I saying something like that. Yeah, we I don't cheering. know. I maybe I maybe should have trained for the cheering <laughs> that Jack and I did. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. you guys did great. Alicia, you've done this too. <laughs> I have. Um, so this this last year for Marathon Weekend was the first time I had done it in a really long time. And at first I was kind of sad that I wasn't doing the marathon and I was focused on that. And then I realized I'm watching people do such an amazing thing and the joy that it brought me. I definitely agree with Lexi. Do it. Be careful if you have bracelets or rings on, though, and you're clapping and you have your phone in your hand at the same time, though, because I cracked my phone screen. Oh, no. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, All right, that's a new one on me. Yes, but I definitely recommend it. Um, there's lots of good places. I cheered right outside of Space 220, um, and this was oh, cool. for a marathon weekend, so I'm trying to think for Wine and Dine if if runners are going to go past there but I actually had a reservation at space 220 and I wanted to see the end runners so we changed our reservation because I was enjoying cheering so much nice yeah. nice I, I remember seeing you now I have to relook at the wine and dine one but I know for a marathon weekend if you can Here's an idea. Me and Lexi, we stayed over at the Coronado. And so it was very easy for us to walk outside and cross the street. And um, we would cheer there. And it was a perfect spot because it was near the end of the race. Oh, it was a great spot. Oh, yeah. it was so amazing. And you can see the people really just toughen it out. The one, Like, you know, they're going to finish. They're going to, they can do it. You know what I mean? And it's just so cool to see them at that point, like so close to being able to finish. Um, what I will recommend that if you look on the map, look at the hotels that are nearby. So say if you drop off your runner at the start or finish or start line, all the hotel buses are right there. Go ahead and head on to one of the hotel buses that is going to be on the route and see if you can go ahead and cheer at any of those locations, especially if the parks aren't open yet. Uh, that would just be my suggestion because it's very, very convenient, very easy to access. I mean, you can always cheer at the finish and at the start. Those are relatively easy locations to get to. But if you want to get creative and see them at a different distances that you may not see too many um, cheering people on, um, I would recommend near the hotels. Really easy to get to. Uh, the buses are there for you. I'm not sure what the axis is going to be, but I zoomed in on the map right here, and it looks like mile nine is going to be right at the dolphin, the swan and dolphin. Um, so you might be able to get up to the road to cheer people on if there's a crosswalk right there. 
Lexi, the follow-up with what you were just saying, I was also zooming in on, and again, this is just a focus on the Wine and Dine half map. Really, the only two spots, based on the way that this course is laid out, that you're going to be able to cheer are certain spots around Epcot and then the Crescent Lake area or the the Epcot resorts. Alicia, going back to your point, um, the exact spot you were cheering at during... Uh, the marathon last year, right by Space 220, uh, that looks like that is right at mile, I'm going to say 12 and a half. So, and that was a really good spot. And I don't remember a lot of people being around you um, at that point. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for a place to spread out to cheer on runners, I think that's going to be a really good spot. Also, like the Epcot parking lot area, Jack, where you set up shop at yes. the marathon. Oh, I should say for the half marathon last year during marathon weekend. Um, that would be a really good spot. I just want to add on to that. The end part of the races is super rewarding because you know that people are so emotional because they're almost to the end. And they're a little bit more spread out. So you can pick out people and pick their costumes and go, oh, yeah go Woody, you can do it. And sometimes you can even see their names if they're close enough to you. And that really, really helps people get to the end. Cheering on wine and dine weekend. Great. Have a good time. Uh, I'm going to be doing some of that myself this weekend. I'll explain more in just a moment. The race guide is a place to look for spectator information. And I'm going to send you one more place. Our friend Kristen Instagram tag running in makeup. She's got her Facebook group, Dare to Dopey. She did a really nice video that pretty well summarized the race guide. And she talked about places to cheer, how to get there. And you also get to see the running Kristen head on the course maps, which is worth the price of admission, I promise you. Friends, I'm going to take a minute or two here. I want to explain why I won't be running this weekend. I made a Facebook post saying I'm not going to be able to run this weekend. Uh, And I've alluded to this from time to time over the last year. But uh, to say I've had some running troubles would be an understatement. (laughs) I can go, I will go back to April of 2020. I did a virtual half And by the end of the day, I had a very difficult time walking. So I ended up visiting my doctor and I ended up spending the entire summer of 2020 from Memorial Day to Labor Day, almost exactly in a boot. I had two PRP injections into my Achilles tendon, which didn't work. By September, I was walking okay, but I was not cleared to run. I wasn't cleared to run until Christmas Eve. So I went from April 2020 till Christmas Eve without running at all. Here's a lesson to be learned in this. And I will probably come back to this a couple times. When you're out a long time, you've got to give yourself a long time to get back. And I probably pushed this one back a little bit too quickly because before too long, I had a grade two hamstring strain, which is reasonably significant. Grade in one to three, grade two is reasonably significant. Again, I was out for a while. I remember I went to see, it's the first time I ever went to see a chiropractor. And they did two things for me, one called active release. It's either technique or therapy, ART, I can't remember which. And something called dry needling to relieve some of the scar tissue in the hamstring area. I remember my second visit, 
the doc talking to me and she said, you know, I examined you, Bob. And when you came in here, you said you couldn't run. After I got done examining you, I was surprised you could walk. But we got through that. We got to September. I got back to run, walk, run a little bit. I was still sore with the Achilles and my knee started giving me trouble. In October of that year, I fell through a bridge. That's right. That's not a, that's not a metaphor. I literally fell through a pedestrian bridge, pinned my leg between stu- two steel girders, uh, and ran the next day. So <laughs> it was an exciting time. I still have, I still have a big lump on the side of my leg where I got pinned. Uh, when my physical therapist does some kind of massage, it's always, what's that? Uh, it's a long story is what it is. Did wine and dine last year, ran it, hurt so bad. I was convinced I was done. I really thought I was done. And then I started walking only. I went back to the doctor, uh, ended up walking the Space Coast Marathon, walking the Galloway Half Marathon, walking all four dopey events. But I knew going into dopey, I had talked to the doc and we'd done some MRIs and we set up two surgical procedures. So in February of this year, I had my right knee replaced. That is not fun. It's, it's, it's the most difficult thing I've done physically. It was hard. It was hard to come back from that. Uh, three months later, I had my Achilles tendon surgically repaired. I had surgery done on my heel bone, my Achilles tendon re- reattached. And it was back in PT from February to August. By June, I was walking. By August, I was running again. Last Tuesday, I finished 14 miles. It was okay. I'm still slowly coming back. Run, walk, run. Thursday, I did four miles, a little less than four. Son of a gun. By Thursday night, I could hardly walk again. So I saw the doc this week, and I've got this following diagnosis. Almost positive we've got plantar fasciitis. I got plantar fasciitis. Pretty common. But there's also possibly some damage to that heel bone that was, when they do, when they repair a Haglund's deformity, they detach the Achilles and they actually saw a piece of the heel bone off. So we're not sure what's going to happen there, but I know I cannot run for six weeks and I'm not supposed to do any serious walking either. I'm not going to do any power walking like I was doing late last year. Uh, so if you see me down there, and I sure hope you will, uh, you may see me wearing a boot. You'll probably, if I'm in the park, probably see me riding a scooter. I've got a PT appointment tomorrow for the next six weeks, and then we'll see how it goes. I still plan to do the marathon, although I'll probably have to walk it. I want to, instead of just telling a story here of, oh, woe is me, I want to try and put a bow on this. And I would think of a couple of points that I want to make. The first one is, I cannot put into words how much you help me. And I'm talking to all of you. Uh, The reaction to the Facebook post I put, just a number of people, there's no way in the world, absolutely no way I continue. If it's not for you, that's just how I feel. That's why I do this. And thank you. I know that the most important injury anybody has is the one you have right now. 
And, and that's the way it should be. That's what's most important. I don't care how serious. I don't, that's what's most important to you. And it should be that way. I also want you to understand that if you're coming back from something long-term, it takes a long time to get back. You have to stay patient. I didn't do very well at that last year. I was doing that this year. And the last thing I can tell you about this is you can do it all right and it can still go wrong. But you just got to trust in the process. There's really nothing else you can do. So look, you guys are here for me. I love you. I appreciate you for it. We'll be here for you. We're here. All of us are here for you. And whether I'm in a boot, in a scooter, or out on the course, I look forward to seeing you. Man, having an injury is hard, but telling someone that it's okay is is really powerful. Because you feel super alone. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's get to something a whole lot more fun. My friends, Wine and Dine, now just one week away, means the start of a brand new run Disney season. And probably an introduction to some things, for some of you at least, you haven't done before. And we think one of those might be running with a pace group, a Galloway pace group. So tonight we've got two great guests with us, Coach Chris Twiggs from the Customized Training Plan. You've heard from Chris before. And our friend and experienced pacer, Chris Turner. Chris's, welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're delighted that you're here. Now, most of our listeners know Coach Twiggs. So, Chris Turner, I'm going to ask you the question I ask most folks when they first get here. Tell us how you got started in running and maybe tell us a little how you got started into pacing for Disney runs. Well, thanks for allowing me to be on here. And, you know, literally, this is something that's really shocking for me. Um, as you hear the story. So I didn't start running really until about 10 years ago uh, when I was getting ready to turn 30 years old. I was like, I, one of those things I looked in the mirror and I wanted 30 year old me to have a fighting chance against 18 year old me. Um, that's pretty much what it started off at. And I needed to do some changes and I decided to start, you know, running again, doing triathlon, um, doing half marathon, doing marathon and just getting back out there. And just the goal was, continue to do something, continue to be active. My, um, my family always asks, when are you going to stop doing this? And my response is when I can't. Right. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm like, you know, running whatever goal target I want to get or just crossing a finish line. This is all about having fun and the lifelong joy of the sport. Um, How did I get into pacing? I've, it, it's really funny. And it, um, so I'm, I do work with the Donna foundation in Jacksonville um, and I'm on their board and, Coach Swiggs is on the board as well. And this is before I was on the board. I was a fundraiser for them. And I remember we were sitting down at um, an after event after the race. And it was myself, Chris, the, the Donna founders, um, Joni Samuelson, and Jeff Galloway all around. And Twiggs is like, do you want to run the, this Galloway way? He's like, I can get your time down. I can get you faster and you'll enjoy it more. And I was like, no, no, no. Fast forward to the next year. And I'm like, all right, dude, everything hurts. I'm dying. And I accidentally, I accidentally Gallowayed this last one on my own. And it was the best experience of my life. Let's write out a plan. So I started doing that. And then he was like, would you be interested in pacing? And it was like, 
Sure. So I'm wearing my uh, 2019 princess shirt, which was my first race I paced. And I just love it. It's an opportunity to just go out there, have a good time and coach people and help people and motivate and just give back to the running community. Oh, I, I know you enjoy it. I was running around you at a Disney race one time and I could just tell. And I think every time I get by a pacer, they seem to be having a good time. Now, Chris, you also coach at some level too, don't you? Yes, I am a high school cross-country coach at Lincoln High School here in Tallahassee. Um, yeah, just that's probably that's that's and I'm also a member, a board member of Girls on the Run here in our community as well. Just uh, the running community has given a lot to me. And if I can give something back, I'm trying my best. Very cool. Well, thanks to both of you for being here with us this evening. We appreciate it. Um, all right. Let's just kind of take it from the top. I'm thinking of using a pace group. I'm heading down to Disney for wine and dine, and I'm thinking I'm going to use a pace group in the half marathon. What do I do next? Uh, so what you do next, uh, if you decide you want to run with a pacer, you could definitely go to the Galloway booth at the expo. We man that booth with pacers, and they were they will be in there most of the time during the expo. It's harder on... Uh, it's harder on Thursday and Friday because people sometimes work, but definitely on, on Saturday, we get those pacers in the booth. And um, But we'll have a list there throughout the entire expo. We'll have a list there of who the pacers are, what, uh, where you can find them, what corral or starting group, whatever terminology they're using. We'll, we'll let you know where you can find them, who they are, what pace they're going to be running, what finish time they're going to hit, and what run-walk ratio they're going to use. Because all of the Run Disney pacers are using Jeff Galloway-approved run-walk ratios. And um, we love being there for those races. Now, we only pace the half marathons and the marathon or the 10-miler for the springtime surprise weekend. We don't pace the 5Ks or the 10Ks. The 5K is not a timed event anyway, unless you're doing dopey. And the 10K is, um, we've been, we've been, it's been suggested to us by Run Disney that uh, it's just way too crowded in those turns. And so at this point, we've not done that. We, we'd be open to it if they wanted us to, but at this point, uh, we just do the longest races every weekend with the addition of the, uh, the marathon too. So you said that Galloway has standard ratios that they use and for the races, um, for someone who is either preparing, I mean, the wine and dine race is pretty close. So at least you will have an idea, but for marathon weekend, this is a great chance to get to know what are the, um, standard ratios and intervals that you guys will be using for marathon weekend. I know you guys said you don't really pay for the five K or 10 K, but what will it be for the half marathon and marathon? Um, well, I mean, I could read them out to you, but then people are going to have to get out a pencil and paper while they're listening to the <laughs> podcast. Um, but I can, uh, I can definitely send you the, the list of the paces and ratios that we've used for last year's marathon and half marathon. If you guys want to want to use those on your, your social media, uh, or put them in show notes. Um, but they're the rate, they're the standard ratios that, that Jeff recommends for each of the given paces. And we do have a page on our website for the magic mile that people can run the magic mile, plug in their time and they get their predicted paces at the different, uh, their pred predicted paces for different distances. And below that calculator is a chart. And that chart has Jeff's recommended ratio for each of those paces. 
And we use those when I'm coaching with customized. That's where I start with my runners is to use those ratios. But then I tell them once you've tried that ratio and you know how that feels at that pace, then it's okay to adjust a little bit and see what feels best for you. We don't give the pacers that luxury. When I'm telling Chris Turner uh, what ratio to use for his pace, he doesn't get to say, but I want to use it. He could say, I want to use a different ratio. <laughs> he can say whatever he wants. If he runs, he's going to use the ratio that's on the chart. Because we know that's what works best for most people at that pace. But I will send you those paces and ratios so you guys can can share them around. So I can't picture Chris Turner saying that. I can't imagine. <laughs> very diplomatic about the way he disagrees with me when he extremely diplomatic so you found your pace group how close do you guys come to your expected time on that pace group there's actually like a little internal competition between the pacers we essentially choose like so basically run disney is the galloway pacers super bowl this is where we're like we're trying to shine we're trying to and it's all about how close can you get to the pin i will admit that a certain person is able to get closer to the pin because they don't have people in front of them. The <laughs> pacer who always pulls rank and gets 145. But for the most of most part, we all try to get within the, the try to stay within 30 seconds. But really, a lot of us are trying to get within like 10 to 15 seconds of that target. And there have been times when I've I, I've been pacing 215. I'll cross at 214.59 or 214, and then he'll message me of 145 on the dot. <laughs> so it really comes best. I will say um, at the 10 miler, it was really, really interesting because I paced the 10 minute mile at a 90 30. And at that 90 30, I would have been walking across the finish line at the 32nd mark. So we had to adjust and we had to do a 60 30 for the last one and then jog across. For so the you could run second. across. Yeah. So, I, so we weren't just sitting there walking across. The no, I get it. Yeah. The, it would have looked kind of bad on our part. Never thought of that. That's interesting. Um, only time I used one, I used a 210 group at a Galloway, and I think they finished in 210.02 or something. Really, really impressive. Now, how much practice does it take to be able to do that? So he's my coach, so I'm going to say this. Um, <laughs> what they do is something amazing. They all The question that we get asked is, like, what's your PR? That's something the Pacers get asked a lot. Like, So I, I generally pace the 215 half. Um, my PR a couple of years ago is 149. My, my, actually my PR is like 147 or something like that, 149. So they try to get us pacing something that's a very, very comfortable pace that we yeah, can that makes talk, sense. entertain, that we can, we can fall back. If we had to go to the bathroom, we're able to do that and we're able to maintain it so that we don't generally, so there's no issues. So um, the training just goes to our regular, normal race training. And so essentially the pacing would be considered hate to say it this way, and it's not trying to discredit anybody, an easy run for us. No, no, it makes sense. That absolutely understand. So if I'm in a pace group um, doing whatever intervals that I, I've decided that I want to do for the race, um, I guess my question is, you know, I train by myself. So how do I train to be in a group of people that are running what, what I – anticipate um and how can i like prepare myself that as we're leading up to these race weekends yeah that, that, that's a great question lexi and we acknowledge that some of some of you, you folks 
will be using a different ratio than what the pacers are using. Some some people that I coach will use a different ratio from the pacers that I coach at the same pace. And we all face that if we are Galloway runners and we go to a race and the pacers are not Galloway pacers. They're running the whole time. We're doing a ratio and they're not. And so the way to handle that, whether it's that the pacer's not walking at all or that the pacer's walking at a different time, is to fall back so that when you run, you're not running into and inserting yourself in among the, the runners that are around that pacer, but also close enough so that when you walk, you're not getting so far behind that you lose sight of the pacer. You follow what I'm saying? So, so you want to make sure that you're still doing your run-walk ratio that you're comfortable with, but you're staying in visual contact with the pace group. And what's going to happen is as that run gets longer and longer, as the race goes on, that pace group is going to get smaller. Some people in the pace group are going to have been over uh, ambitious and will not be able to hold that pace. Some people are going to feel great and they're going to take off and get ahead of that pace. And so as that pace group gets smaller, you can get closer to that pace group and, and you can actually have some interaction with the pacer and with the other people in the pace group um, if you want. So by no means are we asking anybody to use a different ratio than what they're used to. Um, by the same token, if the ratio that the pacer that the pace group is using is more conservative than what you're used to, there's no harm in trying it for the first couple of miles because it's more conservative. Uh, worst case scenarios, you find that, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm feeling like I need to run a little bit more. And so you drop back and you do your usual. So and I will say there are plenty of people that use our pace groups that never interact with the pacers at all. I think Chris Turner will agree. There are a lot every single race. In fact, we get to the finish line. And someone will come up to us that we've not noticed the entire race. Someone will come up to us and say, hey, you are awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And they've been using us as a yardstick. I don't know if they've been walking or not, but they've been using us as a yardstick. And because our pacers are, you know, our metronomes, they're hitting those mile marks on the dot the pacers are able or the runners are able to hold on to us and, and use us to gauge their effort. So then with a follow-up question, do you have any advice for any rogue interval runners that are in between pace groups? So Turner, what do you tell your, your runners when they come up and they say, well, I wanted to be with that group up there, or I should have been with this group behind. So for me, it depends on what the corral is looking like. Like if we have an opportunity where there's a, say there's a two hour corral and a two fifteen corral, and somebody's like, okay, I think I can run a two hour. I really want, really want to, but really my PR is say 208. Um, and I don't know where to start. What I try to tell them generally is, hey, listen, start off back with us at 215. Run with us. And if we're at, you know, if it's Princess or Marathon Weekend, run with us to the castle and then take off from there. Yeah, that's good advice. If these other races, it's generally like the 10-mile mark, if you're ever with me, you'll hear me. If you feel froggy, go. If you're feeling good, it's time for you to go. Once we get over that little off-ramp thing, it's time for you to pick it up and you can go and you'll be able to do that. So I generally, there's there's something to be said about if you're in that middle to be a little bit more conservative on the front half and then take off. And especially with a race like Disney where 
congestion. Oh, I want to see this character and all those other things are going on. You get that opportunity to do that. Like it's just, um, I, I always say, say stay conservative unless you're like, you know what? I'm going for this. Sure. Then go for it and then fall back and we'll be right there with you. And that happens better in more other races, like say Donna, where the pacers are like right there and there's not much of a delay. But if it's something where there's like, you know, this is where we are right here together. I'm going to say stay with us and then pick up halfway through. We're at mile 10. Okay. So this is kind of a random question, but I'm very curious because I've actually never ran with a pace group before. And especially what with the Disney races being so big, I can only imagine how big the groups are for the pacers. <laughs> I'm so curious on average, how many people do you think you have for, you said you do the 215 pacer group, right? For the half on right. average, how many people do you have in that group? So the two fifty, so the one forty five, the two, and the two fifteen are probably going to be your smaller groups. Um, I can have it sometimes. I've seen like twenty thirty with me at like mile three or four, and then by the time we get the finish line, I've got like two or three because again, a lot of those people will take off and they'll oh. go we'll pick up some people behind. If you look at some of our other groups, I'll say Marathon Weekend from 2020, um, I did the five-hour group, and we probably had like 60 people with us at the five-hour. And then I see the 530 and the 545 group come through, and they've got easily 100 people. Oh, wow. And I will add this to the people that are listening. When you see some of the people complaining about the pace groups and then taking up all the space, we give as many instructions as possible of stay the right, stay this. We have no control over how some of these people jump in with us. And we're trying to relay this information. Please be courteous. Don't take up all the space. And generally it's done. We're like, get the right, get the right, get the left. And um, I ran Boston earlier this year. I had like a, at one point a seven person pace group with me because people decide they're going to start running with me. So no matter what, the pace groups are going to happen organically at some point in time. But yeah, those, um, the five hour plus pace groups for the marathon, those are going to be larger. The 230 plus pace groups for the half marathon, those are going to be a lot larger. And that's just the nature of the beast of the race. I'm glad you said that, Chris, because those groups, yeah, they'll, they'll grow on you a little bit and they can get really big. Friends, if you're out there and you get around a Galloway pace group, they will try to stay to the right, but just be patient. Just you have to exercise some patience. It's a fun race. You'll, you'll get through it. With the Disney races being what they are and there being so many characters and picture stops, with being with a pacer, how often do you see someone go and see a character and then return to you? Do they like sprint to you or like be like, oh, I caught up, but I got to see so-and-so like Woody or something? It happens all the time. I mean, it's it's constantly happening. Even, I mean, as, as uh, Chris mentioned, I usually pace the 145 group for the half. And that's that's our fastest group that we offer at Disney. And even up there, we get people that will hop off from us and hop into a picture and then come back uh, one year. I think one of my favorite pacing experiences uh, the last year, nobody knew it was going to be the last year, but the last year of the uh, the dark side, the Star Wars half marathon I had I was leading the 145 group and. I had my wife and both of my sons running in the group with us. And um, my wife and and one of my sons were both just kind of very happy to stay there in the group. They were not, they were not, didn't have any extra energy to spend. 
the other boy who was in the midst of his collegiate running career, he he could have run he could run half an hour, well, maybe not half an hour faster. Yeah, probably could run about half an hour faster. He could fly. And so he was having a blast. He would be with us and then, ooh, look, and he'd jog off and chase that squirrel and get that picture. And then he'd be back and then, oh, look over there. And he'd zip off in that other direction. He was having so much fun. And that's the great thing about all of our pace groups is as pacers, we make sure that that flag stays on pace. And the pacers are not immune. I mean, my the guy that I typically pace with, Mark Burgett, is a massive, massive Disney fan. He, he was there this weekend. Um, he's a cheetah. Yes. And he's a, he's a cheetah, but he's also a huge kid. And he and his wife and daughter go to Disney all the time. And I'll be running along with them. And he'll, he'll say, ooh, look. And he'll hand me the flag. And he rushes off to get his picture. <laughs> and then he catches up. And I got to tell you, at eight-minute pace, if you spent a couple of minutes off the course, it takes a long time to catch back up, at least for me. But he's zipping there and zipping there, getting those pictures. So uh, we always put two pacers per group when I can, so that if a pacer wants to cut off for a picture or has to go to the bathroom or whatever, that flag stays on pace. And so I was going to ask that. Yeah. Oh so my that way gosh. The people that are ducking off for for pictures or whatever, they know that flag is still represents that finish time. So you mentioned a flag. Um, can you tell us what that looks like and how someone can identify the Galloway Pace Group if they're in the corral? So how how to describe this? Um, you've a got two, a, it's a three uh, by four inch square white with a Galloway logo and your pace time target on it. We've seen this before. It's about a four. Yeah, it's about a four foot long wooden dowel. Um, it's got what what the flag is made out of. It's an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper folded over. So that it's it's printed on on both sides. So that makes it whatever eight and a half by 11 divided by two is. I'm not a math person. Um, it's laminated. And uh, hopefully the numbers are big enough. That you can see the number that represents the finish time, has our nice logo and says pacer on it. And then all important is down closer to the bottom is our little pace band. And that pace band is also laminated and that's, that's on there so that the pacers all know what time they're supposed to be at every mile marker, because it is not enough to cross the finish line on time. There are, there are tons and tons and tons of people that could cross the finish line on time, but would be lousy pacers. And so I want our pacers to be as consistent as possible, mile by mile, as, as Chris Turner mentioned, um, the Disney races are the Super Bowl for us. We pace a lot of other races and we have a number of pacers that pace those other races for us. And um, and I'm not going to say that they'll never get to pace the Disney races. Certainly they will. But very rarely will the first race that somebody paces be a Disney race. Usually we've got them pacing another smaller race somewhere else, partnered with somebody who is an experienced pacer so that we can make sure they understand how it's supposed to be because we we want to bring our best to Disney. One thing that you're saying about those um, paces and the mile markers, um, we've all run Disney and we've all run 13.6 miles the half marathon and 26.7 miles the full. Um, we do our best. is like we're not able to run tangents. We try to stay the outside. So if you run with us, you may run a little bit longer. And one of the things we constantly hear is it's so funny having somebody come up to me and be like, you're running too slow. You hit, you met the mark. We're going, the, the, we're basing the flag off the mile marker. The flag is going to hit that mile marker at that time. And that's what we're trying to go for. 
So for those that are running with the pace groups, realize that that's, that's what we're aiming for at that, at that point. Makes sense. Do, do you train with the flags? I'm serious. Is that a problem holding that thing up or? It's, it's lighter than my water bottle I, try, I run Okay, with. fair enough. Two quick comments. I've seen those flags and I've had people get a little confused that if it says one dot dot 45, is that one minute running 45 seconds walking? And so what you're saying is, no, that's the finish time pace. And then the second comment is that you held up the one hour, 45 minute flag. And so I think you just called yourself out for a Chris Turner story from earlier where the one hour, 45 minute <laughs> no, the, the, that that guy's name is Mitch Biggs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't. Right. I, I I will um I will I will readily admit that I am not the fastest pacer that we have. Um, you know we've got we've got three people that that pace for us two two pace for us on a regular basis one paces for us occasionally because he's my son and I make him. Um, but we've so we've got three other people that are that are have faster marathon PRs than I have or will ever have at this point. Um, so I'm not the fastest, um, but I am in charge. And so uh, <laughs> I I at one point I I have to, 145 pace is a great pace. I love pacing that, and I will admit that there are people that are faster than I am and could could pace it with less. I don't have any difficulty pacing it, but they, they have a bigger gap between their PRs and that time. But I have decided that, uh, I can pace that time comfortably and as, and there will come a day when I can't, and that day will come sooner for me than it will for those other people. And so for as long as I can comfortably pace that time, that's, that's my there time. You, there you go. <laughs> that princess last year that you pulled rank. Um, so, so you pulled rank and said, I'm pacing 145. I did that. Yeah. I did that to Juwan recently. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's another, he's got a sub three hour marathon PR. He's a fast kid, but he's young and he'll have his shot. And actually he and Mark will be pacing the 145 at wine and dine because what we haven't talked about is, is you're talking to two guys that are actually neither one of us right. at wine and dine. Cause we're both running the New York city marathon. Yay. New York city. Yeah, Lexi will be there. In case you didn't figure that out, Lexi will be in New York. <laughs> the rest of us will be in uh, in Disney World. There's there's pacers in each corral, correct? Yes. Um, I mean, that's easy to say because historically that's been true. Uh, at the moment that we are recording this, I don't think we have yet been given the time uh, designations for each of the corrals for wine and dine yet. Is that you guys are probably tied in better than I am to. No, not really. No, no, no. So that, there goes my question. So let's say I want to do a pace, but my corral does not sign a line up for that. What's the recommendation for that? Well, it depends. Um, if, the, if your pace that you want to run, if your pacer that you want to be with is in the corral behind you, you can move back. Disney yeah, lets people do that. Yeah. Um, if your pace is, if your pacer is in the corral ahead of you, then what Chris Turner mentioned earlier, what you really need to do is start with the pace group that is in your corral, run with them for a little bit until the, the, the crowd starts to thin out and then pick it up. Because the truth is you've been put in your corral for a reason. Um, and 
course, those reasons can be murky with with Disney and run Disney logic. But theoretically, you're in that group for a reason, in that crowd for a reason. And um, and so uh, you shouldn't try any means to get into a corral ahead of where you are assigned unless you can get officially swapped. Um, you can get in big trouble. Don't get in trouble with Dis- run Disney police. Yeah. So going back to actually racing itself, uh, one of the experiences that I had during the marathon last year is I knew I wasn't going to stay the entire time, but because of the heat and I'm sorry, coach, I went against your logic for a little bit. I wanted to bank time instead of banking energy, but I, you know, I decided to stick with a pace group for the first couple of miles. Don't do that, guys. For those listening, don't do that. Correct. Don't, don't listen tr- to me. Don't try listen to home. Yeah, yeah. L- l- listen I, to coach. I wish everybody could see the facial expressions that both <laughs> both of them just made whenever Greg said that. <laughs> but the one thing that I noticed in the first couple of miles of the marathon course, during doing all those on ramps and off ramps of Epcot, especially in the back of the pack, it got super crowded. Lots of pinch points. And I could even hear the pacers saying, you know, that there's a difficulty in terms of maintaining those paces. Talk about what the situation is. Obviously, I know you're aiming to hit, you know, making sure that the flag hits that mile marker at the the time on the card. But in the event that you do fall back behind a little bit, what is done over the course of the race to make up that time so that you're crossing the finish line on the big part of your flag? Chris, are you even able to answer this because you've never experienced this? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will say, Corral A is really nice. <laughs> um, but before uh, Chris Turner is going to get going to have a really good answer here in a second. But I will say, um, this is why we bring our best pacers to the Disney races, and this is why you do tend to see the same pacers at the same races year after year. There's a, there's some turnover uh, or some substitutions and things like that. But whenever possible, I really try to have the same people that paced the wine and dine half last year pace the wine and dine half this year, because if they know the course, they know where the bottlenecks occur, they know where the slowdowns are gonna happen and they can adjust and plan for those things. Now, it doesn't help when Disney changes the route on us, but we do the best that we can with with that um by by using those same folks but uh but but chris turner how do you handle that when people are uh when when you find that you've hit that bottleneck or something like that so it's funny i'm looking at some of my splits from like last year and the previous races and fortunately and unfortunately disney courses are so like chris you'll mention twigs you'll mention it there's be there'll be a long mile and there'll be a short mile and we know that some of those miles are like seem a little bit longer than others so I think it's negligible that you're like maybe 15, 20 seconds, maybe per mile at the beginning of the race. And those things are very, very easy to naturally make up as the race proceeds, as you're slowly starting to go to it. And it's like, you know, it, it's, and we'll tell the pace, we'll tell the group, listen, we're in congestion right now. We're going to take it easy. So if I'm aiming for a 10, 18 by the clock time, and I hit that first one at 1025 because there's a lot of crowd there. It's like, hey, guys, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And it's about controlling and talking to the crowd and talking to the pace group and knowing that over the course of the next 12 miles, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seconds can be easily made up. 
Um, I know when I personally run on my own, and this is something that I've told people if they fall off the pace group, if you can still hear my voice saying three, two, one, walking, count to three and then start walking. Over that period of time, you're going to make up a walk break and you'll be right back with us instead of trying to catch up to us. But really, like we're able to move and just slightly push it because it's like if we're 15, 20 seconds behind at mile one because of congestion, we're not going to try to make that up by mile three. We know we have 12 miles. And that's, again, what he's talking about, the experienced pacers. We know we have 12 miles to get to that. And we will slowly work back towards where we're supposed to go. So it's not like, okay, I ran a, oh my God, I ran a 10.30 mile. I've got to drop down to a 9.30 right now, which is what a lot of average, not average runners, I apologize if you use that term, but a lot of your, a lot of runners will do is they will try to overcompensate so quickly and then burn themselves out. So that's when our experience comes into play of, we have a lot of time. It's a long race. We can make up for this. I'll also tell you from being on a course with Chris that you can hear him saying three, two, one walk from a long way off. Dude, I've had people message me. They're like, it's two days later. I can still hear <laughs> I'm like, hey, I, that's, I, I hate saying this way. My voice, either the voice of dreams or nightmares, whichever no, one. No, that is not a bad thing, my friend. That is not a bad thing at all. You you keep a great attitude. That's, I noticed that. That was terrific. We're coming up on Wine and Dine and Dopey, um, which are a couple challenges that people might be doing. And if you were going to run both the events, like let's say the 10K and the half, or the half and the full, would you run the same interval for the previous day's race that you would run for the longer distance? Or would you slow it down for the race before? Well, if you run the same ratio, you probably are slowing it down for the race before. Um, Because if you run the 10K at the same ratio as the half marathon, I'm assuming you're also running the half, the, the 10K at the same pace that you run the half marathon. So you're, you are running it slower. Um, so that would, that would be fine. Obviously what we recommend is that you, you walk as much of those earlier races as you can so that you're conserving energy for the last race. Um, but for some people that means, okay, I slow down what would have been my, my two hour 10 K to a 90 minute 10 K or, you know, or or 90 minute 10 K down to a two hour 10 K for other people. That means I slow down my 40 minute 10 K to a 50 minute 10 K. So, but yeah, I I think if you use the same ratio and the same pace, you would definitely be holding yourself back in the example of the marathon weekend for dopey or for goofy. If you did the same pace for the half and the full, you would be running the half about a minute per mile slower than you could be. So not exactly long run pace, which would be two minutes per mile slower, but still significantly slower. And you would definitely be saving yourself energy for the next day. Yeah. Um, I paced, um, was it the two races is goofy. I paced goofy at two forty-five and five. Um, so that's a general idea of what I had. And I was, I felt comfortable at both of those. The one time I've ever done a three race, I essentially like ran maybe half a mile to five K and just like jog, like ran from character to character, the 10 K we walked half most of it. And then I paced the two fifteen. I would definitely always recommend like focus on the last race as the one you're going to run. And like, like coach said, walk as much as you possibly can the first two. So, um, this is actually kind of my situation. Um, if I was going to run with the pacers for dopey, 
um, for the half and the full, I would probably be at the 3.30 and 7-hour pacers. What would be your suggestion for runners that are, you know, really trying to make the paces um, and they don't know if they'll be able to keep up with a pace group? Just, you know, the real the back of the Packers who are like really pushing that 16 minute pace. Those pacers are are fantastic. I mean, you can rely on all of our pacers at every pace. And that group that's the the tail end for both the three and a half hour and the seven hour. Except that guy, Dennis. <laughs> Watch out for Dennis. Oh, yeah. De- Dennis is fantastic. Dennis is fantastic. And um, and, and he typically does the three and a half and often the seven as well. And um, his 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 group is rock solid. So I, I think just put your put your trust in that group. They are running the same pace the balloon ladies are, but they're far enough ahead of the balloon ladies that you're not going to see them and you're not going to worry about them. Uh, they will occasionally be getting updates from the folks on the bikes telling them, you know, you're you're one minute ahead of the balloon ladies. And if you hear that at one mile, you're going to hear that at 26 miles because they're always going to be one minute ahead of the balloon ladies because they're going the exact same pace as the balloon ladies. So, um, so, you know, they, those folks back there, they know just to brush that off and it's okay and just have fun. Um, so I, I just would put, I would put full trust in them and, and don't worry too much about it. I would say this about all of our pacers. Don't worry about looking at your watch. Don't worry about, uh, if you're doing the same ratio, don't worry about when to run or when to walk. Just, just trust and relax and enjoy that's why the Pacers are there. Because I promise you, the Pacers are, they might look relaxed. They're not relaxed. <laughs> Pacers are stressing out for 13.1 miles or for 26.2 miles. If you look closely, some of these Pacers are wearing two watches and they have a Galloway timer. Um, they are not relaxed, but their job is to make sure that you can be relaxed. It's there for you. Yeah, good Good point. Thanks. I don't know who Dennis is, but I have a feeling we're going to find out if he listens to this podcast. Yeah. He will. Bob, Bob, real quick, if you want to see something funny, we was talking about the stress level. Um, look at about maybe 200 yards away from a, um, a mile marker and look at, be next to your pacer. Yeah. As we're looking, the flag is like, okay, all right. What time are yeah. we supposed to be there? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like watching your approach shot approach the flag up and down, up and down. Yeah, neat. Alicia, you had a question. Yeah. So both of you have said that you're going to be at New York um, during wine and dine time with our lovely Lexi. Um, But can you tell us which race weekends you will be at and um, which specific races you will be pacing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this one. Um, I need to thank you. I appreciate this. (laughs) Yeah. Chris Turner would love it if I would say (laughs) what races he's going to be at. He would love that. I, uh, I will be, uh, I'm at every race weekend, every Disney weekend. I'll be there at, uh, at wine and dine, but I'll only be in the expo on Thursday because I have to take off. I'll be at uh marathon weekend, but I won't be running as a pacer because I am a perfect marathoner, which means, yep. um, I, I get a free entry into the marathon. And so I'm not taking up a pacer spot. So I'll be running with a pace group, but not as a pacer. Um, I'm likely, in fact, almost definitely going to pace, uh, princess. And I don't think I'm pacing the, 
um, springtime surprise, because I think springtime surprise is the same weekend as Boston Marathon this year uh, in 2023. And uh, and I'm running Boston. So you may only get me for two out of the four races. Uh, I will say Chris Turner is one of our best pacers. Obviously, that's why we bring him to Disney anyway. He's also wildly popular with the Run Disney family and and the run on the Run Disney uh, Facebook groups. So he, you will likely see him at all of the Disney races that he is available to pace. And I, I will give you guys a heads up. So um, for springtime surprise, I've done a fundraiser and um, I will be my my pace partner and I will be dressed as um, Woody and Bo Peep. Very nice. And you guys can just guess which one is which. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I might guess wrong. <laughs> I like it. I'll say this. DW is designing my outfit. So I think to bring this interview to a close, I, I know we've been talking a lot of run Disney races and previously um, both of you had mentioned the Donna race um, that happens down in the Jacksonville area in February. But what I'm curious to know, and I know this list is ever evolving, but for someone who is interested in using a Galloway pacer at a non run Disney event, what events are offered um, that you know folks can use? Uh, well, the Donna, as you mentioned, is is uh, is definitely going to be one, and uh, we're you know we have a great, very close relationship. The Galloway program does with the Donna because the Donna Marathon grew out of our local uh, training program in Jacksonville. It started that group started as or the the marathon started as a group of people within the local Galloway program fundraising for the Donna Foundation. And then Donna, uh, Donna uh, Deegan decided she wanted her own marathon. And so it was only natural that we would be pacers for that race as well. Um, we do pace a lot of the local Jacksonville races just because we've got a good relationship with the Jacksonville running community and with uh, First Place Sports, which puts on most of the races in Jacksonville. So you'll see them at the Ameris Marathon and Half Marathon. You saw us at the, um, uh, at the Zuma uh, half marathon uh, a couple of weekends ago. Zuma, the reason we pace the Zuma Amelia is twofold. One is I live on Amelia Island. And so, uh, <laughs> and so that's a good thing. And creepy then also dolls, creepy dolls, creepy dolls. Yeah. And then also um, the woman who owns Zuma, um, Sarah Ratliff is a former run Disney employee. And so I got to know Sarah through Run Disney, uh, through my capacity uh, with through Jeff and, and doing the Pacers there. And so when she bought that race series, it was only natural that she would want us to continue doing Pacers for that. Um, so a lot of those uh, we do pace and we have in the past paced the Air Force Marathon and Half Marathon up in Dayton, Ohio. We don't have a contract signed with them next year yet. Uh, we're optimistic that that's going to happen. Um, there will be Galloway Pacers at the Air Force, sorry, at the, uh, I said Air Force, at the uh, Space Coast Marathon and Half Marathon in November. Uh, so we'll be down there. And uh, we have had, there have been some other races in the Baltimore area. There have been some races in Texas. There have been some races in California. There have been, um, we've paced the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, in the past, we're not pacing them this year, but we've paced them in the past. So there are a lot of races where we pop up now and then. I would say if your listeners, if any of your listeners have a great relationship with a race director, uh, 
and they would love to see Galloway Pacers at that race, have that race director reach out to me or send a message to me and to the race director because we would love to uh, expand where we are offering those Pacers. Nothing against other Pace companies, nothing against other Pacers, but uh, I will say that I honestly and firmly believe that we have the most accurate, most reliable pace groups in in the business. We really do. Um, and I think part of it is because we don't take just anybody. We don't just ask who's available to pace and grab people off the web. We're using our people that we trust. And you're getting people that are Galloway program directors in different cities. You get people that are Galloway group leaders in different cities. You get people that have been doing customized uh, for years and understand it and know it. Um, so you get you get people that are the best. I would agree. Chris, you left one race out. There's one in Atlanta in March, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Galloway Pacers. <laughs> Hopefully oh your boss God, is in yes. listening to this. The boss. If the boss listens, I'm in trouble. Of course. Of course. <laughs> We will be pacing the JG 13.1 in Atlanta on March 19th. Everybody come, sign up, go, oh, do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to race. encourage our listeners to do that. But that's one of those, you know, when it's right in front of your face, you miss it, you know? Yeah. You are so, so right. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, we, we're, we're in a lot of places, but we'd like to be in a lot more. But, um, you know, pacing is not our core business. And so we're not out there actively soliciting races, uh, you know, trying to take over the pacing from, from other races or things like that. But if there's a race that wants to bring us in or is interested, gosh, we would, we would love to do it. And I would love to, uh, to send Chris Turner out to pace, uh, pace more events in far flung cities. We did, <laughs> I will say, uh, my most recent pacing experience, uh, we had four Galloway pacers that were official pacers for the London marathon. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that was amazing. It was a thrill. Uh, the pacing coordinator for the London Marathon reached out to me because he wanted to bring, specifically wanted to have some Galloway pacers there. Uh, run, walk, run is very popular in the UK. They call it Jeffing. Jeffing, yep. And so he wanted to have some pacers that were there specifically for that. It was very well received. Um, I do not know if we will be back in April, I certainly have my fingers crossed that we will be back in April. I know at least one pacer who wanted to get into London on the lottery and didn't, who might be interested if I get uh, some spots. So, um, I, so I need a, I need a four-star bad food. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if we get to do the London Marathon again. I'm, I'm hopeful. So Yeah, that's a tough lottery. I hope you are too. Guys, I mean, I knew this was going to be fun. I was not disappointed. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time. Listeners, if you haven't done this before, I know we, we kind of all know each other here a bit, and it, we may have made this sound like it was casual and joking around, but this is a great opportunity. If, if you're not sure, if you need this, that little bit of extra motivation, that these pace groups are great. They'll do exactly what both Chris has said they'll do. And not only that, they also are encouraging throughout the race. I don't think they talked about that much, but these pacers will help you get through it. They'll encourage you the whole way. 
Look them up. Stop by the Galloway booth. Check it out. I think you'll be glad you did. Chris Turner, Chris Twiggs, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Those are those are great guys. Those are fun guys. And I hope you have a chance to meet both of them and meet some of the other Pacers. There's something we chatted a little bit after the interview, and there's something that both Chris's wanted to pass along. As much fun as we had during the interview, pacing is something they take very, very seriously. They put a whole lot of effort. They put a whole lot of their time into it because they want you to have a great time and they are there to help you. And trust me, that's exactly what they're going to do along the course. They feel lucky, they feel honored, and they feel blessed to be able to be a pacer at a Run Disney event. It's the Super Bowl. It's a big deal. And those two guys are two of the best. Hey, friends, we've been talking about this series of podcasts we listened to for the last couple of weeks. One of these weeks, we're going to sit down and actually chat amongst ourselves about podcasts we listen to. But in the meantime, we've got another one for you tonight. Greg has invited somebody along. So when I really got back into podcasting a couple of years ago, and I realized that you could find really niche markets, I just searched Walt Disney World. And over the years of listening to all these wonderful shows, I've kind of created this like pantheon or how shall I say, maybe like the Mount Rushmore of Walt Disney World podcasters. And for me, that includes Bob, of course, then <laughs> Lou Mangello over at WDW Radio, also uh, Pete Werner over at the Diz Unplugged. And the fourth spot I reserve for our guest tonight, we want to welcome Mike Rallman from the Be Our Guest podcast. Mike, welcome to Rise and Run. Wait, wait. You, you sure you're asking about Mike Rallman? Because you said Lou, Bob, and Pete. And, and I'm, I'm with those three. I mean, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I'm you're here, the, Mike. I'm giving the, the Wayne's world. I'm not worthy. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that because I respect uh, all three very, very much. We're mighty glad you're here. I thought you were upset because you're number four. No, I, I, <laughs> well, you, well, you, you got to do it for uh, dramatic effect, you know. That's all the, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so for those of you that don't know, the Beer Guest is a wonderful Walt Disney World trip planning podcast. And uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into running, just in general, uh, maybe your your Run Disney backstory, and then tell us about how the um, how Beer Guest got started. Okay, so my my long story short with running. Um, so I've always been an athlete my entire life. Like in high school, I was a baseball player paid uh i was a left-handed pitcher I'm a, I'm a tall guy so uh being left-handed being you know over six foot in high school automatically you know as long as you could throw a curveball and throw strikes you were on the varsity team but the thing was you had to run two miles at uh tryouts in under 20 minutes it was like an automatic cut because for our tryouts we had 178 guys come out for the team the first year mm, wow wow big big you know popular high school in st louis and so I was slow. I had asthma. I couldn't run, but miraculously, and I never did make the 20 minute thing, but I always hated running. And so the funniest thing was somehow they let me squeak onto the team. Some, you know, cause something happened, but I made the team somehow, but I always had this thing. I hated, hated running, but eventually I came around as I found, you know, I started finding Disney and I wanted to go down. 
I heard about Run Disney in about 2009, 2010, and I signed up for the half marathon in January. Now, then I had never trained for a race. I had never put in any practice runs, nothing like that. I just signed up for the one half marathon on the Saturday in January, and I would go down for three years in a row. That was my only run of the year. I would go down to Walt Disney World for that weekend and run on that Saturday, 13 miles, get it done in about three and a half hours, suffer the entire time. And back then I was scared to fly. So I'd drive 15 hours each way. Um, and I was a school teacher. So I had to teach the next day on Monday and it was, it was miserable, but it was a means to an end The what got me hooked with running basically this whole long story is I suffered through running so that I could have a, a, a Disney weekend, right? A vacation out of it. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. happened is it's made a whole 180 in my life. Like the training has become the love for me. Like I love the race weekends, but I'm somebody who trains seven days a week at this point. And I, I love it. Like I love running, but it's, it's taken me into my late forties to make that turnaround. You know, I wish I would have loved running when I was 16, 17, 20, when I was, you know, more athletic than I am now. I'm an old man that creaks and ropes <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Oh, uh, you got a long way to go, Mike. Oh my God. It's rough, but it's one of those things, you know, I think that you, you got to enjoy the journey and never give up because the real journey with running for me and the enjoyment for running, especially run Disney didn't happen until I was in my, you know, mid forties. And so, you know, folks that might say, oh man, I'm 35. It's too late to start. You know, your journey, you're a kid still, you know, there don't you go. Stop. Yeah, get going now. And it does amaze me, you know, your comment that you made about training seven days a week, you know, following you on Instagram. I mean, like, I know you're dealing with a little bit of an injury right now, but like, it always boggles my mind that you just have the mental capacity to wake up very early each morning and run a half marathon and then go about your day. I mean, you know, so the fact that, you know, even, you know, doing a dopey, like I, I have to imagine that running a half marathon every single day really helps you get through all those challenges to, uh, down Walt Disney World. I'm very much a person that, that believes 90% of any kind of hard task is mental. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm huge into sports. My daughter, my oldest daughter was an athlete. She was a, a three sport athlete in high school varsity athlete she's now the director of basketball operations for the university of illinois chicago very proud of her oh very she moved, awesome she moved from mizzou last year where she was on staff which is my school but she took a better job at, at a different school yeah. a little sad because she's not in my school anymore but i'm proud of her <laughs> my youngest is a is a cheerleader and the thing is too you know with that is that um with, with you know sports like running you have to be mentally strong and i think that you got to be Cause my daughter asked me, actually we were going to dinner last night and she hates running my cheerleader daughter, the younger one. She's like, how do you run every, every morning? Dad, I run for a mile or two and I get so bored and I hate it and it's terrible. And I tell her, you know, it, it's one of those things you have to train your brain. Like you got to train your legs. You got to train your lungs. You know, I think a lot of people, the first, here's just a little tip that I've learned in running. And I think we all know this as runners is that you can't judge a run by the first mile. And first mile it, lies, buddy. It does. And the thing is, a lot of people quit in that first mile because it's miserable. I mean, I'm miserable the first mile every single morning because your body's going from zero to 100 and trying to compensate. Once you get past that first mile or two, your body settles in, your mind gets in a better place, you start to function better, your body gets where it needs to be. And with, you know, doing something like that seven days a week, it's one of those things I like to, I always like to tell myself, I like to get a victory early in the day. You know, I want to have something that no matter how the rest of the day goes, 
if I've run a half marathon and I can't do it now, I'm running nine miles at this point every other day because I'm battling a bad knee injury, but it's getting there. But it's one of the things like I can tell myself at least this morning before 730, I've had some sort of a positive outcome. I've had some sort of a victory, no matter how bad the day goes with, you know, I'm, I'm a travel agent with Disney, no matter how bad their systems crash or I'm recording a podcast and, you know, the, the recording software crashes or, you know, my daughter sprained her ankle at uh, cheerleading practice three weeks ago. We spent, you know, the night in the ER, whatever happens, happens. But I've had some kind of a positive outcome that morning that I can hang my hat on. And I think that's important. You know, I think some people run at night. I just want to get it knocked out and know that I have it already checked off and go on with my day. That's what I was like, this, you know, it, it doesn't have to be running either. You know, you could bicycle, you could, you know, just whatever you do, grab a victory early in the day, get your mindset right. And then the rest of the day is gravy. Well, speaking, you know, of being really committed to your training, the other thing that you're really committed to is the Be Our Guest podcast. I mean, I was telling the gang earlier today, I'm, you know, is there like, okay, you know, I want to do my research so we're prepared for this interview. And I'm like, well, they have over 2,000 podcasts yeah. for you to choose yeah. from. So, you know, you have quite the vast library. And the fact that you're pumping out four Be Our Guest shows per week, I know you have your own Patreon show now as well, too. So, I mean, that's really impressive as well. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how the Be Our Guest uh, podcast got started with Pam and Ricky and Scotty G, uh, and then, you know, give us a little backstory and what you're hoping that it grows to in the future. I don't know what it's going to grow to in the future, but uh, it did start kind of as I, I was a uh, school teacher. I taught sixth grade for years and years. And one of the things that I was teaching my kids uh, was podcasting when it first, first started to get a little buzz because we had a uh, Mac, we had a uh, Mac computers in my classroom. And, you know, I was always thinking of a new way to do basically the book report. You know, sometimes we'd make like, we get, we bring in cereal boxes and instead of, doing a book report, they'd read a book, then they'd have to do like all panels, sides of the cereal box would have to have different, you know, characters and plot and, you know, genres and all kinds, you know, it was just a different way to, to dispense information. So one way I thought it'd be kind of fun for them when I had started listening to shows like Lou Mangiello's show way back in the day, back when it was Mouse Tunes, um, in, in, Inside the Magic, when that was a hot podcast, WDW Today, I was hooked immediately when I found podcasts, was I thought, hey, if the kids could you know, do some kind of research. And then I give them three minutes to go on to GarageBand and talk about what they've learned. Now they have to, you know, have all these criteria. They got to have, you know, seven facts. I got to have this, I got to have that, but they can add sound effects. They can add background audio. The kids ate it up and they were learning, but they were also being able to be creative at the same time. And they could take something and share it with grandma and grandpa. They could, you know, we uploaded it so they could it really wasn't like on iTunes or anything, but there was a way that they could share it with their, anybody that wanted to listen. So that was kind of a thing that got me hooked. And I thought, you know what? I should try to do this myself. And fortunately for my, for me, my dad works in radio. He, he was a radio DJ here in St. Louis for years. He's now the, uh, the producer for the Los Angeles Rams radio network. So he's, nice. uh, he travels with the football team. He lives in St. Louis, but he, because uh, he, because he worked for the St. Louis Rams. I'm not bitter that the Rams aren't here anymore. Uh, I hear you. No, you, you've never been bitter about that. I hope they lose every game. But uh, yeah, every <laughs> team that plays against the Rams, even though my dad works for him, but my dad lives here, but two minutes from my house. Uh, but he commutes to all the games on on the weekends because he sets up the booth and you know runs the mix and he's at you know he gets the headsets and runs the booth. But um, he, he, you know, I told him I'm like I want to I want to do a podcast. I think that'd be fun. So he came over. 
He had tons of gear, brought over the gear, gave me the software and we went with it. And I contacted Ricky. Ricky was a friend of ours and, you know, I knew she was a Disney fan. So I was like, let's, let's talk Disney. Let's give it a shot. Then Pam came along about 30 episodes in just uh, kind of a referral from a friend. And we've gone from there, you know, just basically it started with the idea of just an audio trip report. Cause I love reading trip reports, you know, because again, we started in 2008, the iPhone was barely around at that point, you know, and it was really hard. Like when we first put the podcast out, the way you got it was you downloaded it on iTunes. You would take an iPod. This is why we, our podcasts come out the night before, like nine o'clock Eastern. The reason that happens is because when it originally came out, what you would do is like in the morning when you wanted to, on your commute, you would download the show on say your Wednesday show, you download it Tuesday night, overnight it would download onto iTunes. You would take your iPod, plug it into your computer. And then in the morning while you're getting ready, it would sync all your podcasts for the day. Then you would, you know, you grab your iPod and go out the door because you could not download them with cellular or anything like that wi-fi so that's how that's how old our show is but yeah it's one of those things that's kind of how it came about the audio trip report because back then you know i went on disboards read trip reports incessantly and i thought it'd be kind of fun to have those on the go you know walking the dog and stuff so we've expanded listener questions and topical shows but that's kind of the uh the genesis of everything a real pioneer mike that's neat <laughs> that's right yeah, it's, it's been fun. So because you're a travel agent for Walt Disney World, I want to ask you a couple questions just about your inside tips. Um, so what is your favorite place to stay and what is your favorite place to for uh, the people that you book to stay? Oh, my gosh. That's such a tough question because it depends. Like when I go down solo for races, it's always pop century because. Right one, on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm rather cheap. I mean, I, I talk about it on the show a lot. You know, I don't like to spend money. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, and, and I'm solo, right? And, and, you know, if my wife and my two daughters, they're back home, you know, I don't feel like if I stayed at the Riviera or something, I'd catch some heat. So I'm practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't live it up too much, you know, while they're not there. So, yeah, Pop Century just checks off all the boxes. You got the Skyliner, you got tie-dye cheesecake, and you got nice rooms. So there you go. Um, but if I'm, you know, like I mentioned, I'm, I've am i never stayed at the Riviera except for one night with my buddy Scotty G, who's a DBC member. I just crashed there one night. That was super nice. Um, I'm a huge fan of Wilderness Lodge. I think that that is a great place to stay with the family. And you really can't beat like Boardwalk, Beach Club, Yacht Club, you know, anywhere in the Epcot Resort area. You know, I, I really like Yacht Club because of Stormalong Bay. You can usually catch a discount at Yacht Club. And my guests, you know, they're, I, my guests are all over the place. You know, a lot of them, you know, what I've been hearing a lot is Copper Creek Villas. Mm-hmm. getting a lot of yep. love. Uh, I heard you talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And I've gotten that from a couple of guests in the last, uh, last couple of weeks, uh, surveys coming back that they've stayed there and they've kind of fallen in love with the place. But I also think it's that time of year. Copper Creek reminds me of fall and especially moving into winter. So, uh, maybe that has something to do with it, but, uh, you really can't go wrong, you know, splurge a little bit if you're going with your family, I say. Obviously you've been down there for lots of races and you know, you've run with the beer guest lizards and you've run with, you know, your co-hosts and you've run with your daughter. Give us one special run Disney memory that, that you've had over your years of doing all these races. So the one that I say that'll never, never, ever leave me. And I've got, well, I'll give you three quick ones, but one is just crossing the line for my very first marathon on 2015 in 2015, because and I, I tell this to every person that I speak with through the podcast that, that they say, you know, I've signed up for my first marathon. 
And I warn them, you know, this is going to be a long journey. And I tell them too, enjoy the journey. You know, don't just look forward to January. It's going to stink, you know, that long run in December, about the middle of December, when you got to do a 20 miler to kind of get ready, but enjoy that, you know, on that, on that Sunday or Saturday afternoon where you're back home and you do run 20 miles on a training run, celebrate that day because that day is a huge accomplishment. It's not just, oh, I got it done. You know, go sell it, have a good meal. You know, if it was me, go to Texas Roadhouse that night and get a, you know, get some chicken critters or whatever, whatever. You <laughs> like, do that, you know, cool. celebrate the whole journey, get yourself a new pair of sneakers, get ready for marathon weekend. But when you cross that line for your very first marathon, whether it's Walt Disney World, uh, I got to do Chicago last year. When you cross that line as a marathoner, I mean, that is something special because so few people accomplish that in their life. And the thing that I've learned throughout this whole running journey, especially with my Disney community that I've got to meet, is that I always thought that marathoners were superhuman. You know, I always thought that marathoners were the elite of the elite athletes. And and I know that's not the case because I know that's not me. I'm not. I'm not an elite athlete. I, I'm a, I'm a guy that's in, in his upper forties at this point with asthma, with bad knees. That's taken a lot of hits. I used to play a ton of hockey. Um, my body's beat up, but I, I've learned that it, it's people that, that have a will and find a way to get one step, one step, one step, one step and to pile up about 45 to 60,000 steps and boom, somehow they get to that finish line at 26, two. And that's the thing I love. I think that's what's addicting about a marathon too. And about all these races, whether it's a 5k, if that's your distance, what's addicting about it is that you see these human accomplishments on every race course. You see somebody that's, you know, hopefully you're staying healthy, but you might see somebody who has just battled cancer and they're still in the middle of a cancer fight or they're, you know, overcoming something, you know, with a friend they're out there in a 3.1 mile 5k would seem like, you know, me doing an ultra marathon. It's the same thing, you know, just get to that finish line. And it's, it, 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 I always tell people, you know, if you're not a runner, go to Epcot on Sunday, on marathon Sunday, stand at mile 26. And if you don't cry and if you don't feel moved, there's something wrong with your soul because you're seeing everything you're seeing raw motion. And I think that's, what's kind of cool to be there. See that. So when I crossed the finish line, long story short, that was my, my greatest moment, but also running the dopey challenge with my oldest daughter, we almost killed each other at about mile two because she was ready to quit, but uh, we, we got her there. Scott had a shin splint and he wanted to quit. I told him I was going to chop his leg off and just drag him the rest of the way. We did it all. We did it all three of us together. Like, and he kept saying, oh, my legs hurt. I'm like, dude, every time we go by a medical tent, just put biofreeze on it. And so we did. Found out he was in a walking boot when he got back home to Michigan because he, oh, he, had, he had like a cracked uh, bone or something. I don't know. He wasn't lying. But I felt bad after that. But yeah, it was it was that. You know, it's one of those things. Just I think it's the memories you make with friends. But uh, you know, crossing a marathon finish line is something I never ever thought I would do. And when you do it, it's like wow. <laughs> you know, when once you feel it, once you do that, you feel like you can do anything. Well said, Mike. Absolutely. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I, I can vouch. Mike is an excellent podcaster. The BR Guest podcast oh, yeah. is an amazing listen. Again, you got three to four shows per week, whether that's trip reports, listener questions, lots of fun, different topics. Be sure to go check that out. Also, he has been my travel agent in the past, so I can definitely vouch for him and the Magic for Less Travel. But Mike, uh, if people want to contact you, whether it's questions about the BR Guest Lizards or the podcast or just the travel agency, how can people reach you? 
So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. I'm at BRGuestMike, so it's pretty simple, or Mike at BRGuestPodcast.com is my email. And uh, I would love to talk to everybody, and especially fellow runners, because we are a different breed. And uh, But I love you guys, because, you know, we all got to we gotta stick together, because, you know, I love it Walt Disney World in January. I, I tell everybody it's the invasion of the sneakers and the short shorts in January. You know, <laughs> those are my people. No, but it, it's, yeah. it's been great to be here. I'm excited. We're about 60 days from, uh, for me, another 48.6 miles, and I already can't wait. So it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. We enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. We're going to continue with our podcast we listen to series next week. Weston Galloway is with us, and he's going to talk, among other things, about Jeff's podcast, You Can Do It. Hey, friends, we've got more exciting merchandise news for you. There's a shirt update on our website, riseandrunpodcast.com. So some of you have seen we have a beautiful new logo. Thank you, Devin from Zippity Tees. And we've put together some new t-shirts that will be pre-order for the next couple weeks with our brand new logo on them. So we will have tank tops, we will have t-shirts, we will have long sleeve hoodies. So go ahead and check them out on our website. And John, when does the pre-order go till and when will it ship? The pre-order ends November 12th and the ship, approximate ship date would be December 14th, 2022. We're not guaranteeing anything. For <laughs> no, we're not guarantee a Christmas or marathon delivery, but we're gonna try our best. We can't can't we can't change what the USPS is gonna do during the holiday season, but we are gonna get them out with plenty of time so they should arrive to you. Also, uh we do have some limited stock from the Rise and Run uh, race shirts we had that you've seen on uh Instagram and Facebook lately. And you could also pre order those if you if you missed out the first time good i like it they're uh they look good the website looks good if you haven't been over there rise and run podcast.com give it a look john's done a great job on that um speaking of devon devon from zippity tees our friends Kristen and devon have a program that they're starting for the princess run their program starts on november 1st let's see that Devin is help me out here. Run Fit Fab Princess is that Devin or Chris? Cl- cl- close enough. Fit Fab Disney is Devin, and then Run Fit Mama is Kristen. Yeah, neither one of them's Joshua or Justin, though, right? <laughs> no. Okay, good, 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 good. Also, uh, also on our Facebook site, you can look. They were both with us. Um, no, I'm sorry, on our web page, they were both with us. Early on, I forget what episode, but they discuss things there. And they'll be with us later on this year. Uh, nice folks, both of them. Speaking of nice folks, our friend Pamela from Fluffy Fizzies is still pre- taking pre-order. Pam's got a new product, a bounce back massage oil. Now, we have to tell you that Pam's an affiliate, and so therefore she helps us defray the cost of this podcast. But I'm going to tell you, I've used this product. I am not an essential oils guy. I'm not. This product is dynamite. Uh, I got it in the mail yesterday. And uh, I have, amongst other things that bother me, 
my my feet at the bottom, right at the base of the toes, get so tight with the plantar fasciitis that it hurts. And I took some of this stuff last night and just rubbed it in there. Now, it's not a miracle, okay? It didn't go away. Plantar fasciitis isn't gone. But, oh, my goodness, what a remarkable difference it made. I was really excited about that. I'll tell you, when I, Pam, when I see you, I'm buying some more. Immediately when I got it, I messaged Pam and I told her how much I enjoy the smell of this. I am a big essential oils person and I, I have a whole slew of them. And so I'm very familiar with essential oils. And this is a pretty mild smell. Um, and I I really enjoy the smell of it. And I have three back-to-back days right now. Um, and I used it last night. And then I I just put some on while we were on a break. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. I also have to say I had a migraine last night, um, and I get different types of migraines. This one, um, was because I had tension in the back of my neck, um, and it was presenting it on the front of my forehead. And so I put some of the oil on both of those areas and then cupped some in my hand and just smelled the essential oils and it went away and I was able to sleep with no pain, which was amazing. I have a unrelated to running my injury I don't even know if it is I woke up this morning with a massive crick in my neck to the point where I could not turn my head to the left and it just got progressively worse throughout the day that just happens as soon as you turn like 30 some Stop reason it. sleeping Stop is it. like a full-time I mean, yeah you know turn 30 <laughs> and like boom sleeping wrong you crazy uh, it's, kids it's a full contact sport sleeping <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, we were talking about the episode and making plans earlier today, and I was like, wait a second, I have Pam's oil in my mailbox right now. I got on maybe 20 minutes before we started the podcast, and I just rubbed stuff on, and by the time we started, I was like, oh my gosh, I can turn. Now, granted, I can't turn very fast, but- well, you, But you couldn't do that before anyway. I couldn't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it like- the pain part of having a massive crick in your neck went away. And I, I've put it on twice since we've been on the podcast. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, oh, this feels so good. One other thing that listeners might not know about essential oils is if you have a menthol or mint essential oil and you put a little on the back of your neck, it will bring your core body temperature down. So when we had that really, really hot marathon, I brought peppermint oil and it kind of got me through the last like few miles when I was burning up. So that's another little trick. Also on that note, Allie, it's really good for opening up your um, nasal passages in your breathing airway. Um, So if you smell it before a run, it can definitely help so that your breathing is a little bit easier on those runs. Yeah. So use it during the race, use it after the race. All right, friends, look, it may seem like we're laying it on a little thick, but genuinely we got this product today. We tried it, and for three of us, it worked. So we really like it. Take a look. Pam's website is fluffyfizzies.com. She's still taking orders. You can pre-order for pickup at the expo. Don't forget to use the code HAPPYRUNNING for a 10% discount off your order. Or you can visit Pam at the expo. Tell her that Alicia sent you. So, as we prepare to head towards Orlando for our first race weekend of this Run Disney year, let's take a quick around the room here 
what do you need to make sure that you bring with you for race weekend? And what we'll do here is we'll get started. We'll get, we'll post some ideas. Let's start a thread on Facebook and Instagram. We can help one another on things to make sure that you bring with us. Guys, what are the, some of the things you have to make sure that you bring with you? I always need to make sure I bring hydration packets with me, like noon or liquid IV, so that when I'm not at the race and I don't have Powerade, um, I can just go have some in my hotel room or around the parks. I always bring KT tape because I am KT tape's to- good. I am prone to injury, but I will say if you do forget your KT tape, you can always go to the expo and get wrapped, which again, I always do just in case it's more of a preventative thing for me, but yeah. Yeah. I presume they're still doing that. They've done that every time I've been down there. I I don't imagine that's going to change. The biggest thing is if you're running multiple races, you need to bring multiple pairs of shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Important. Especially if it rains on the 5 or 10K, <laughs> you don't want to be running around in slog, sloggy shoes. Yeah, it was nasty last year. Very important. For me, it would be some type of recovery tool, whether that's a stick, a foam roller. Um, for Marathon Weekend last year, I carried Jeff Galloway's BFF product, which is like a car buffer on steroids. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it weighs a lot, but it was absolutely worthwhile to have with me. So um, some type of active recovery tool, uh, especially if you are doing a two-course challenge. And the other side note I will say real quick is I know we're talking about things to pack, but when it comes to packing, make sure your shoes, your costumes, your running clothes, all that stuff is put in a carry-on instead of your actual suitcase if god forbid if you are flying to these races and an airline loses uh your luggage you know make sure you know it's in your carry-on so that way you always have it with you make yeah make sure you can run an event make sure you have enough stuff to run an event in your carry-on good good suggestion yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and piggyback off of what greg said if you're gonna be flying always 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 make sure it is with you on the plane and not underneath it. I have this huge fear. Like, you know how like Lexi's fear is that if she goes into to a porta potty that someone's gonna push it over. Like <laughs> <laughs> my my fear is that I won't have my stuff. Like that is like one of my biggest anxieties. So anywhere I go travel wise on an airplane, I don't care if I don't have anything else. My running shoes, my fueling, and everything will be on my back or on the suitcase next to me. Um, but I guess in, in terms of um, things that I need to make sure I have are my goo chews and my salt stick fast chews. Now, I do know at the expo they usually carry goo chews. Yeah. I don't know. I, and the fast chews, And actually. salt chews, they do, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. So if you forget them... Usually they'll be there, but in case you're worried about not having that, yeah, just try and bring it with you. Yeah, that's like that's like mine, Jack. Uh, body glide. Don't forget yeah. the body glide. But if you do forget it, it's available at the expo. Um, I would uh, say dress for the weather. Weather should be nice. Weather's been nice in Central Florida the last couple of weeks. It could rain, so if you had a poncho, that'd be nice. Don't if you're a Galloway runner, don't forget your gym boss your timer. Uh, there will be people all over. This is where I learned to wear my gym boss on the headband on my hat because there's so many people with gym bosses down there that you can't always tell if it's yours or not. And don't forget that we've got an affiliate link on our webpage, uh, riseandrunpodcast.com. You can order your gym boss there. 
Uh, I wrote down sunglasses. The first two events you're going to finish before the sun comes up, probably. And then you know that daylight saving time ends on the Sunday that we're down there. So it'll get light a little early. Uh, sunglasses not quite as important for this race as they'll be for Marathon Weekend. We'll talk about that later. So that wasn't intended to be a complete checklist of things that you need to bring. Again, we'll start some threads on social media sites. And if you've got ideas, you can add to them, please. Coming up next week, we already said we'd be talking with Weston Galloway, seeing what's new with Galloway Productions. Next week, we reintroduce the roll call as we go through the names of everyone. If you haven't added your name, if you're going to wine and dine, any one of the events, and you haven't added your name to the race report that I keep at the pinned to the top of the Facebook group, please do that because the roll call is kind of fun. It is amazing how many people we have listed who are going to be down there. So that's fun. Gee whiz, kids. I think it's time for the race report. Let's go back in time. Let's go back a week. We don't usually do that. But in this case, it's for somebody special. Let's go to Amelia Island, Florida, and Jack's going to tell us about, what is it, the Zuma runs that you did, Jack? the Zuma series. Yeah. You guys need to get into a Mandalorian and go back to the future. Not a Mandalorian, no. No, a DeLorean. (laughs) (laughs) That's John DeLorean. John DeLorean, okay. (laughs) Well, Jack, tell us about the run. Oh, yeah, that was a race I won't forget, that's for sure. Um, Great Scott, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, like, John, how, okay, quick question. You said if you, you have a certain way to start your day for a race morning, correct? Where you put one sock on first, like, is it your right foot and then your left foot? Right foot first, right right foot first, left foot second, left left shoe on, right shoe on. So I know better for mine is that I should not snooze my alarm. And um, I knew I was like a five minute walk from the start line from my hotel. It was great. Well, I'm just going to go into the events. I'll be really quick about it. But like, okay, so I woke up and I was like, man, I got a lot of sleep, but I think I could push it. So (laughs) I kept snoozing it. I think I snoozed it like 10 or 15 minutes. And I'm like, cool, man. I look at the alarm clock next to me, not my phone, the alarm clock next to me. Like, man, I'm doing so good on time. So I take my chill amount of time and um, I get dressed and whatnot. And then I sit down and eat my ritual banana. And I decided to finally go on my phone. And I was like, man, I got an email from Zuma series. What? I was like, I feel like this might be important. Sure was. Because I thought the race started at 7.30 a.m. It did not. It started at 7.20 a.m. And to make matters worse is the clock on my bedside table was behind. And and so was I at that point. Why is this reminding me of an old Seinfeld episode? Anyway, continue. (laughs) You're good. It was just like, it was like one of those things. And because of that, I didn't have time to eat my plain bagel. I don't put no cream cheese with it, but like my plain bagel. So then I was starting to shove food down my throat. And I hate saying it like that, but I was like, I don't want to run on an empty stomach. I know that's bad, but also I shouldn't have put all that food as fast as I did. Um, 
and trying to get out the door as fast as I did. And it's just like I got to the start finish line or the area itself like 15 minutes beforehand, but I had to drop off my bag. And then the bathroom line was out the wazoo. And I was like, of course, because I ate the banana. Sorry, TMI. I had to go. The ritual and banana. I, yes, my ritual banana. And I was just like, oh, dear God. Okay, so then I waited in line. I'm like, okay, so I wanted to start in the start corrals of either the two hour, 2.15. Well, the race started when I got into the porta potty. So I was like, dear God, no. And so then I finally get out. I'm like, well, wh what's left? And I saw the two hour, 45 minute marker. And I, I wasn't going to try and squeeze myself up to get near the front. I, at that point, it, it, it is what it was. You know what I mean? But um, it was one of those races that I feel like Anything that was going to go wrong did go wrong because once I started the race, my right Achilles tended to start bothering me. And then because I had eaten that food so fast, now my stomach was really upset. And it's like, I felt so bad because it's like, I wanted this race to be such a good race. And it really was. It was so absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. The thing was, is I just, my body wasn't having the race. And so instead of worrying about time, which is what I was hoping for, because it is known for a really flat course. And originally I wanted to go for a 150 uh, half. Um, that changed because now that race wasn't my end goal. That time wasn't my end goal. My, my end goal now is my 100K in February. And I just, I got maybe like halfway through and I said, I see the 215 pacers. I had caught up from the 245 and I was in the back of the area for the 245 and I had gotten pretty close. I was like maybe like three or four minutes away from the 215 pacers. And I said to myself, do I really want to keep thinking about times or do I want to actually enjoy my surroundings and everything? Because I was having fun, but in the back of my head, I was like, time, time, time. You're not getting anywhere near the time you wanted. And I was just like, you know what? I think my body's telling me to keep what the pace that I'm doing. Don't go too fast and just enjoy it because there was trails. You guys, I freaked out. There was trails. I was so happy. Nice, um, nice, nice, nice. But it just, and then <laughs> at around a mile 11, my, my right Achilles tendon, the, and it wasn't hurting. I know the difference between hurting and bothering. And so that had, that problem went away around mile four. Then my left Achilles tendon, which I've never had any problems with, has now become a thing at mile 11. And I was just like, yep. <laughs> Get Pam's oil so, out. Yeah. So um, that was my race. And I ran the 5K the day before. And I didn't even do it at the pace that I, I could have done it. But I was pretty proud of myself. But um, you had fun, right? I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had good, fun. Good. I had a lot of fun. Good I event. Had... You'd do it again? I would. I think Zuma series does a really well done event. And if you can do it, go and do it. It's they have other locations. If you're curious about the Amelia Island one specifically, go ahead and check out passport to run. I did the five K a half and a hotel room tour as well as an expo to kind of give you guys insights of what it's like. So yeah. Thanks Jack. Appreciate it. All right. Let's run down the list here. Let's start on Saturday. And once again, I love the fact, gang, I love the fact that you're sending all these in. There are a bunch of them. It seems to get bigger every week. I know it will trail off some here as the weather changes. 
but I only mention that because there are so many. I am afraid at some point I may miss one. If I do, I really hope you can forgive me. So here we go. On Saturday, the Geode Genesis Trail Runs in Danville, Iowa. There was a 7.3 miler and a 5K. Tommy ran the 7.3 mile loop. Troy ran the 5K out and back. And instead of medals, they got geodes. Tommy posted some pictures of the geodes they got when they finished the run. Pretty neat. The Cannonball Half Marathon, Greensboro, North Carolina. Kristen ran that one. Kristen, you may be the first person I missed because I didn't see anything on that. Uh, New York City Virtual Marathon. Gretchen. Gretchen finished it, got a guaranteed entry into the New York City Marathon for 2023. Gretchen says she is never doing another virtual run. Yeah, I don't believe that. May not do another virtual marathon, but I think Gretchen will do other virtual runs. She fueled herself by making her own Uncrustables. She got a little tool or kit or somehow made herself her own sandwiches. Uh, The Hot Cider Hustle Half Marathon, pushing a three-year-old in a stroller in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Erica did that one. Still on Saturday now, the Forest Grove Lions Run Walk for Sight and Hearing 10K in Forest Grove, Oregon. Sarah did this one. This was Sarah's first 10K and a really good time for a first 10K, Sarah. Really good pace. She said she got a big kick out of the shadow made by her running outfit and her tutu. You have to see the photos. I get it. It's kind of funny the way the shadow looks. Pretty neat. Fort Smith, Arkansas. You know what that means? Joe's running Whitney's race. It was a 5K. Uh, I said it was a band, a food truck, vendors, and a dunking booth. The whole thing took place in a brewery brewery parking lot. Joe got an age group first. Joe told us that this was a race uh, one of his doctors puts on or sponsors in memory of his wife who passed away to cancer. So it was a fundraiser for cancer research. In Atlanta, Georgia, Heather ran the Lululemon 10K Tour. Donuts and yoga post-race, says Heather. Doesn't get any better than that. Her fastest 10K since her high school cross-country days. She posted a great photo with her husband. They recreated a pose from the Peachtree Run in 2017. First one they did together. That looked pretty neat. Skylar said she was there also, but I didn't see anything. In fact, the next couple, I didn't see anything. The Hoptown Half Marathon, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Adam did that. The Great Turtle Trail Run in Mackinac Island, Michigan. Pamela and her husband did that one. The Newburyport Half Marathon in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our buddy Madge, who was with us on the race report after she finished London, did this one. Cool temps, beautiful fall colors, lovely time of year in New England. Started easy, but found herself on PR pace. Kicked it in the last two minutes and celebrated her PR with a donut and a beer flight from a local brewery. Donuts and beer. Mm. I think Homer Simpson would like those. The uh, Ocean Isle Half Marathon. Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Michelle did that one. Michelle said during the run, she met up with another first-time dopey. They ran their intervals together. 
And Michelle recommended the podcast to her new friend. Thank you for that, Michelle. We appreciate it. Michelle then went out and ran another seven miles that day because she had 20 miles on the schedule for dopey training. And here it is, but here's Erica's note. She says, a beautiful day. She ran with her sister and her wife, and she ended up making it a catered training run, although she posted a, what I consider to be a really impressive time of 2.05. That's impressive for a catered training run half marathon. Way to go. Wine and Dine is next for Erica. We look forward to seeing her down there. Okay, friends, let's move on to Sunday now. And start things off with our race report spotlight for the week. Our guest for this week is Heather. Heather, I'm going to start with the traditional question. How'd you get started with running? But I think you're going to give us a non-traditional answer here. Yeah, so Bob, I actually have kind of an interesting story with that. And I have two kind of starts to running. But unlike people who've started and stopped and started and stopped, I have two completely different modalities. So I um, joined the Air Force or commissioned in the Air Force in 2007, and I got stationed at Wright Pat, which is the home of the Air Force Marathon for people who don't know. Great race. And I got there, and they were going to volunteer us to volunteer for the marathon <laughs> as medics. And I said, you know, I don't think I want to be a medic. I think I want to participate, but I can't run a marathon. I ran six miles once. I think I can do a half. And so about three weeks before the marathon, I signed up for the half, did one, I think, eight-mile training run, went out and did it. I do not recommend that. I highly recommend training. Um, I, was, I couldn't walk up the stairs for a week. Right, right. But I did it. And um, it did not scare me away. And I kept running. Um, in 2009, I did my first full distance, uh, trained for that on deployment, which is always a great time. Oh, yeah. I've been there. Um, and then I've had a few kind of pauses in my running career as I dealt with some medical stuff, had some surgeries, and then always got back to running. Um, but then about um, a year and a half, two years ago now, I had an appointment with my primary care and I'd had some falls while running, um, lots of trips and falls, some joint dislocations and things. And she told me absolutely no more running. And so I said, well, then you need to find me an alternative because this is my mental health, my social life. Um, it's just so much more than just physical activity for me. So I got linked up with the uh, rec therapist at the VA where I get my care. And she got me hooked up with a bunch of adaptive sports and with our fantastic occupational therapist who uh, got me linked up with a local organization to borrow a pushroom racing chair. So I got that on Halloween last year and then did the wine and dine two course challenge. So like a week started later. again. Right? So you got the chair on Halloween and you did you did the challenge six or seven days yeah. later. In uh, rain. Of, of course. Yeah. Yep. In costume too. How did, how did it go? Um you know, at that point, actually my pace was about the same as my running pace. I think it finished in just about three hours. That's cool. Um, but I would not have made it without some other members of what we call the Roll Disney community. Um, one of the more experienced racers actually met with me at a park ahead of time, helped me kind of adjust my chair, helped me figure out that I could only turn left and that I needed to make some serious adjustments to be able to do a um, race course. So definitely, you know, some blisters, some discomfort, some sliding on the boardwalk. But Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. 
caution runners. Anyway. So you could only turn left. So you didn't do a 270 to go right, did you? No, um, there was some adjustments you could make to the chair. So you can set it for track or for road. And the person who had had the loaner chair before me had been a track athlete. Um, So I just had to then figure out how to change it. Generally speaking, I've very, very, I think I've seen one race chair. I've actually pushed one. I don't, anyway. Uh, how, uh, those are hard to control, though, in general, aren't they? I joke that I steer almost as well as a Mack truck, uh-huh. and I brake almost as well as a Mack truck in the winter in Vermont. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I, that's the one I've heard. I, the the brakes are there just for decoration, I've heard. So they will slow you down. They will not stop you. But when you pass one of us going up a hill, which you will pass me going up a hill, remember that... I worked really hard to get up that hill, and I would uh-huh. very much like to coast back down. Yeah. And get out of the way. if you get in front of me and you're wearing headphones, I cannot stop. You know, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing. Runners take note of that. That is, that's serious business, really. It can be really scary. Yeah. Yeah, because I have read, and Heather's going to tell us that the controls on that are limited. And coming downhill, that was going to be one of my questions. How tough are those things in the hills? I imagine they're really tough going uphill. Very. Yes. Yeah. Got all that weight you're pushing up there. And I'm talking about the, the weight and the momentum of the chair plus the, your, yourself. And it's different. It's it's all on your shoulders. Wow. And Bob, probably going down those down ramps with a turn and going downhill. Yeah. Probably make it even crazier. Some of them are okay. But especially when you think of like going into Magic Kingdom where it's a down and then a steep up. I really want that momentum from the down to help me in the up. So when people get in front of me, I pretty much want to cry because then I now have to muscle it up the hill. I have no momentum. No, I understand that completely from from some bicycling. Yeah, you, you want to carry that momentum as far up the hill as you can. I can imagine it much tougher in a, in a race chair. Heather, you're on the schedule all the daggum time, it seems to me. I don't know how you're doing it. How many... You've been every weekend for the last six weeks or so, I think. How many have you done? So, yeah, so I have eight weeks in a row of races. And Allie will probably know we kind of have a very limited race season here in New England. Um, so you don't really do much in the winter when there's snow and ice on the ground. And then yeah, that's right. Makes sense. Heat of the summer. So we have a very condensed sort of spring race season where I raced pretty much every week. And then I basically have an eight-week fall race weekend and it, it didn't start out to be quite this intense, um, but I happened to get in on the lottery for the New York City Marathon after I was told I was rejected and registered for Wine and Dine. And then I also got into the Marine Corps Marathon, which was a bucket list um, for me, and then signed up for some local races. Um, Cape Cod Marathon, I was encouraged to because they actually um, let wheelchair athletes race for free and they have a challenge that's like goofy so that appealed to me and then I had some friends who are good slash bad influences who were like well there's this half and you're already doing this half so why don't you do this other half and um, so yeah it escalated quickly how do you carry all the medals (laughs) Um, you know, I actually was going to sit in my, uh, gym so that you could see my metal wall, but it's very incomplete. Um, those metal, metal hangers, um, that you can buy online. I think I have five of them and I've had to add extra rows and then I'm 
waiting to see if they have it Marine Corps. I'm looking for a military specific one for all like my Air Force medals and stuff. But I have a just a regular running one. I have one that says COVID gave me the virtual runs. I just got a wheelchair racing one. Um, and then I have a 50 state challenge one and a Disney one. You working on a 50 state challenge? I am. I think I'm at 18 for the halves. That's a pretty good start. Yeah. Well, I sort of lucked out. My first three states were Ohio, Alaska, and Hawaii. Oh, well, you got the two <laughs> tough ones out of the way. I did, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask a general question about training in the chair. That that would seem to be another, I mean, it's just another, I don't call it a burden, but just something else you have to account for. I mean, I could just, I'd lace up my sneakers. Um, you got to do a little more than that just to get out for a morning training run. Yeah, so I generally keep my chair, a bike pump, a helmet, and my gloves in the car. Um, And there's a trail I particularly like near where I work in New Hampshire that I don't have to cross any roads. It's about 2.2 miles, so I get about four and a half miles out and back. Um, I get to practice U-turns, which are tough. (laughs) And Uh it's a very, very gentle, I think over 2.2 miles, it's about 110 feet of elevation. So it's a very, very steady downhill and then a very, very steady uphill on the way back, um, which for this area of the country, that's about as flat as you can get. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, but pretty and hilly sometimes go together. Yeah, there's a, a road in my town I like to use a lot too, but there is no shoulder and a lot of traffic. So I can only do that during daylight. No, I understand that. I can imagine it being treacherous. Um I wrote this question down. Gloves or calluses? Uh, I always wear gloves. So I'm actually working on finding the right solution for that. But I wear full finger cycling gloves under a special 3D printed wheelchair glove. And I'm very thankful I did because I actually finished the princess half and uh, went to the ER because my thumb got caught between the wheel and the rim. And had I not been wearing a glove, it would have been a much, much, much worse outcome. I I would honestly imagine that even with gloves, you're going to get calluses. For sure. And um, more so because I'm not as proficient as most racers. And so I often take off the 3D printed gloves to go uphill and end up kind of sticking my fingers in the spokes, which you absolutely should not do. But if I can't get up a hill, then I... uh, adapt oh geez that's that's amazing that's that's very that's very impressive it really is um hey what well you got you've already told us some of what's next new york's coming up marine corps is coming up um those sound awesome we'll be following following you on those when are you back at disney so because i got in new york i am not doing uh wine and dine but i will be doing my third in person dopey my second in the chair And then I'm doing uh, the princess half. And you might see me out there for the 10K as uh, medical coverage. Um, I enjoy volunteering as a nurse. And then I'm uh, springtime surprise. I'm doing all three, but I might be doing that. um, Even though I'd be in my push room, I might do it considered a duo team so that I can do it with my sister. Oh, all right. Very nice. Very interesting. Out of all the races that you've done in this eight-week series of races, what one is your favorite? So it's tough because there's so many good things about all of them. Um, the Chow to Challenge was really cool just because it was really neat to do a challenge. And um, for those that don't know, that is 
the Cape Cod Half Marathon and Marathon. So it's basically the Goofy Challenge. Um, it's in Falmouth, Mass., which you may know for the Falmouth Road Race, which is a very popular 10K, which actually has a very good turnout of like Olympic caliber wheelchair athletes. Um, and they invited me to participate in that, but I, I saw the hills and I will not be doing that this year. Um, but that was a lot of fun, even though the weather was terrible. Ian had made it up to the Cape that weekend. Um, so the rain was rough. And then um, I do a lot of small local races um, from some of the local New Hampshire, Maine uh, companies. And so I had a couple in Maine and I've had a couple in New Hampshire that um, – even though I'm the only chair, generally, they're just a lot of fun. The race directors are really, really encouraging and supportive. And then I did my first race um, with the Achilles Freedom Team, which uh, you had Team Achilles on one of the episodes. Yeah, early on, yeah. Achilles International, yeah. Mostly about guiding blind athletes, but they also have a big, uh, mostly hand cycle, but also pusher and racing community. And I'm on the Freedom Team, which is their all-veteran um, disabled athlete running team. Um, so I competed with them at the Hartford marathon and PR'd by about an hour. So that was, oh, wow. Outstanding. That was a pretty good race. You, you've thrown a couple photos up of busting the tape and I keep telling you not to tell people you're the only one in the race, but what did you say to me? Uh, I, I say that because I would like to get more wheelchair athletes out there i'd like to grow the community and maybe another wheelchair user will see me out there and say yeah. that they can do that i think that's very cool there's a lot of people in the community who might be listening who are using um aids to you know part-time or might use a wheelchair part-time how would they get in touch with the rural disney community and how do you get into running in this way with this adaptivity so um disney we're actually very lucky because they are a very inclusive community for athletes with disabilities. And you do not have to have a Paralympic classification uh, to participate as an athlete with a disability at Disney. Um, you do have to have a disability. You can't just say, oh, I, you know, I hurt my ankle, so I'm going to um, race in a wheelchair instead. Um, but some of us are not full-time wheelchair users, so I can walk short distances. I can stand for a limited amount of time. So you guys, you know, you might see me stand for a photo or standing somewhere in the parks. Um, but I, it's just not feasible. In fact, my first weekend, I first two race weekends, I uh, walked the five Ks and then raced in the wheelchair for the longer distances. Um, so they allow, you know, athletes with guides. So if you're an ambulatory runner, but you need somebody with you, whether it's because you're visually impaired or have, you know, another either developmental, uh, mental health, or physical disability that you need somebody with you, they'll accommodate that. Um, they have hand cycles in an exhibition uh, status. So they can't win awards, but they can, you know, they can participate in the events and then push rim. And they are fantastic. They will reach out to you and see what you need. Oh, cool. um, again, Dopey, I was pretty nervous about doing it. Uh, my first marathon in the chair. So I actually had a guide. And so I competed as a duo, even though uh, I think he actually touched my chair for all of five minutes the entire race. Um, but it just made me more comfortable having him with me in case I couldn't get up a hill. And I was, you know, happy to not compete as a push rim 
in order to have that with me, especially for my first marathon. Or if you had to make one of them right turns. Right. (laughs) I can't believe you did Dopey as your first marathon. I always say that to everybody, but it's always like, I I can't even imagine doing that. Not my first. Your first marathon as a... Yeah, as a wheelchair athlete, yeah, pusher like athlete. Twelfth marathon. Twelfth. How many marathons have you done total? Oh, so I meant to check my list before tonight. I think I'm at fifty-five, fifty-six halves, and sixteen full. Holy cow! That's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and one ultra. Cool. <laughs> one ultra. <laughs> Heather, uh, what? Tell us about the race you did this weekend, please. So this past weekend, I did the Loco Half Marathon, uh, which is put on by the Loco Racing Company, which um, has some races even down, I think, in Clearwater. But they're most yeah, that's clear. that's Loco L O C O, right? Correct, like crazy. Yeah, not local, Loco, like crazy. <laughs> um, and it actually turned out. You may have seen on the race report. I was registered for two races this weekend because back in February there was a date change for Allie's favorite race, the New England Half. And I somehow missed that email and discovered this past week that I was signed up for two halves on the same day. Um, so I kind of no surprise. flipped a coin and I picked Loco because I was still sort of toying with the idea of adding another full marathon, which I'm glad I did not do. Um, but, you know, it was another nice day. It was forecasted to be rain. It was in probably the mid 50s. Um, in New Hampshire, in I'm trying to think the name of the town, Newmarket, New Hampshire. Um, it was a pretty nice course, some rolling hills. There was a lot more gravel on a rail trail than I had anticipated. So it was a much tougher race for me, but it was still a great race. If you're a runner, I highly recommend it. A lot of people Boston qualify in this race. It was just tough as a wheelchair user. I would think. I would think. Which is tougher, the hills or the gravel? Um, gravel on hills. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I knew as soon as I asked, I knew the answer. <laughs> well, or hills that turn, because as soon as I take a hand off to steer, that's a hand that's not giving me forward momentum. And that's actually this isn't really for this weekend's race, but I learned at my first race at Wine and Dine that I need to carry my own hydration because I can steer, move forward, or hold a cup. I cannot do all three at once. So I either had to stop at the water stops, pray that they went straight, or not drink. Wow. You know, things that I would never even think about. Yeah, a lot of challenges. A lot of challenges. Heather, we are really happy you're part of the Rise and Run family. We are really happy you took time to join us this evening. And you know darn well we look forward to seeing you at Disney World. And we'll be watching. We'll be tracking. I want to see you busting more tapes and uh, have fun in D.C., have fun in New York. And thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And everyone have fun at Wine and Dine. Thanks again, Heather. Uh, Great talking with you, and we look forward to seeing you. Let's continue on Sunday. The Niagara Falls Half Marathon in Canada. Good-looking medal for this one. Uh, Amy ran the 10K, uh, said it was a beautiful day, kind of warm. Second time for Amy, said she loved the flat course and was passing folks at the end of the race. That's what run, walk, run will do for you, boys and girls. Amy saved her energy, 
She said she wasn't used to that. She was used to being the one being passed. All of a sudden, she was starting to pass a couple people there towards the end. A lot of tough summer training and run, walk, run, and it's working for Amy. Congratulations, Amy. Justin was there also. Justin ran in his Run Dopey in training shirt. Long Island, New York, the Suffolk County Marathon. Lexi, Lexi without an I, finished this one. Lexi said it rained the last two hours. Didn't look like it rained too terribly hard. Of course, I wasn't there. I'm just judging from the photographs. And she adopted this idea. She had friends leave her voice messages, and then she played them the last five or six miles of the marathon to help her get through. Hey, cool idea, Lexi. I'm glad it worked for you. In Athens, Georgia, the Ath Half Half Marathon, uh, Lauren ran that one, Lauren and Matt. Lauren ran that one. It ran through the UGA Stadium, University of Georgia Stadium. Lauren was dressed as Coach Kirby Smart. She did a really good job. And she, she has, did, yeah. yeah, you saw that, huh? She has a great photo and she put the two next to each other. She is a photo of the coach kissing the national championship trophy. And right next to it, she has a photo of herself kissing the medal. It's really cool. If you can find it on our Facebook page, take a look at it. Nice job there, Lauren. Uh, this was Lauren's first sub three hour half. Good for you. Matt ran it. Matt uh, PR'd by nine and a half minutes. That is significant. That's impressive. Yeah, that's significant in a, uh, in a half marathon. Back here in Florida, in central Florida, the You Can Finish Five Miler around the UCF area campus, I'm not sure, in Orlando. Uh, our friends Danny, we had several folks there. Danny, Nikki, Margaret, and Tabitha. Now, Danny, I know Danny's had some shin splint problems. So he was able to do this five miler, but unfortunately, Danny was scheduled to run New York. He had to back out of that one. Uh, Margaret ran. Margaret said she had some nice, comfortable temperatures. It was nice here last weekend. Uh, this was her third year running this particular event, and this is one of those races that has a series medal. So for her third year, she earned a special medal. Nikki and Tabitha ran what's called the two and five challenge. Nikki said it was a little tough after UCF lost, but another fan who said the training is really helping her. And Tabitha says her two plus five challenge was her longest event ever. And she beat her training time by 10 minutes. Great improvement there. In Ashburn, Virginia, the Potomac River running fall classic 10K. Sharon did that one. Really nice looking metal, really big. Uh, great, te- great 10k time on this one. Really. I don't, I don't have note of what it was, but it was, I remember it was an excellent time for Sharon and she finished just two minutes out of third place in her age group, pretty competitive age group. So nice run there for Sharon. The AZ 48 half marathon in Chandler, Arizona. Molly ran that one. Another beautiful day. Her first half marathon since princess Molly finished fourth overall. In California, the Folsom Breakout Blues half. Jeff ran that one. In Atlantic City, New Jersey, not terribly far from John or Greg, Riley, a new listener, ran the nation's third oldest marathon. Did you know that, guys, that Atlantic City is the third oldest marathon in the U.S.? No, not at all. Yeah. I didn't either. Uh, Riley told us it is. 
the oldest, the only two that are older are Boston and Yonkers as far as marathons in the U S. Uh, this was state number 23 for Riley for marathon. She's trying to do 50 and 50, almost halfway there. Hey, Lexi, the end of the road race in waterfall, Pennsylvania. We had a couple people run that Sally and her sister ran it and Susan ran it. And they all agreed that it was really neat. Yeah. Great scenery. They heard you talking about it. So they went out and ran it and said it was fun. And they all agreed that, uh, I don't know that they, I don't know that Sally and her sister met with Susan. I'm not sure that they knew one another, that they were all there, but uh, they, they all said the same thing. All said it was great and that, that he would do it again. Uh, in Venice, Italy, Marla ran the Venice marathon. I was really hoping to hear from Marla, but I didn't hear or see any photos there. Back up in New England, in Bristol, Connecticut, the Mummathon 8K. Emily, her fiance, and their friends ran that one. It was a small field, lots of costumes, looked like fun. Next up for Emily, the Marine Corps Marathon. And one that just got posted yesterday up in upstate New York, up in the Buffalo area. Our buddy Brian ran the virtual Tough Pumpkin 5K, in which he carried a four-pound pumpkin with him the entire time. And, of course, he set a PR. You guys understand that, right? It's a PR. It's a pumpkin record. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, thanks, Brian. I'm I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you gave me a a, a way to wind up the race report. Uh, so another long episode comes to an end. We are enjoying these. We hope you're enjoying listening to them. We, I promise you, we're getting excited. It's almost time to get together. I almost forgot to mention we have a plan to get together. It's uh, it's still right now planned. Still at Dockside Margaritas, two thirty Saturday. We hope to see you there. We hope to see you before the races. Hope to see you at the expo. We're just looking forward to see you at Disney World real soon. Uh, our final Zoom before Wine and Dine is tonight when this thing drops. It's Thursday night. Instructions will already have been posted. If you got questions, if you've never been there before, now's the time to come and ask your questions about running at Disney. That's wrapping it up for episode 55. We hope you had as much fun as we did. My friends, and if you run, you know you are our friends. We're looking forward to seeing you real soon. Until then, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.